Welcome to the Dub Dog Cafe, where we have things like crepes and red velvet and sachote. But warning, this food may contain spoilers and language that is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion and eaters are advised. Also, like I said before, this may contain spoilers for certain series you may have watched. So, if you are afraid of getting spoiled, go and watch this show and then come back later. Also, the views expressed may not be from all of the bakers here at Dub Talk, especially that Megan one. She's kind of a fucking piece of shit. So please, take it easy on the rest of the crew if someone says something that you may not agree with. And finally, tonight we'd like to dedicate this to the lovers out there. The ones who may love a girl, love a boy, not love anyone at all. Or you freaks who fuck your body pillows. And with that being said, enjoy! My Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of love-struck nerds tell the story of the latest and greatest in anime English dubs. I'm Stephanie, and today I'm joined by some other romantics, Megan, Jet, and Gigi. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. <laughs> is, is Jet, were you trying to be a girl for a second? I'm the only guy here. I have to make this up myself for somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, we gotta have over a PG, so I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, nobody here is thinking lewd thoughts like holding hands and calling each other by their first names. It's gonna take yeah. an hour first and a half before and you call me Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> it's Miss Palooza oh if you're nasty. Oh, oh, Miss, oh, Miss Palooza, you're making me get the vapors. Oh god, here we go. Now, what reason would the four of us be getting together like this? Diabetes. (laughs) Diabetes, yes. I have diabetes. (laughs) How about for a fun little romantic comedy? Diabetes. (laughs) That is very diabetes cute. Today we're going to be tackling the English dub of My Love Story, the 2015 series from Studio Madhouse. Oh boy, diabetes cute. So much diabetes cute. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the series, the story follows Takio Goda, a tall and muscular student who doesn't have much luck with women as every girl he likes ends up falling for his best friend, Makoto Sunakawa, who is charming and good-looking. This all changes when he saves Rinko Yamato, a petite shy girl who, above all other expectations, falls in love with Takio, beginning a unique love story. Now. As always, we're going to be covering the entire dub of the series, talking about the casting and give our thoughts on the dub. Who is ready to talk about a fun little love story that is diabetes cute? I That's the theme of the night. Than my soul so I can purge myself of this. That's the theme of the night, is this diabetes is, cute. We're all like going to be life. high on sugar tonight. Takeo's this is your life, Gigi? Animal, unfortunately. <laughs> Takes oh, 13 episodes no, before somebody holds my hand. <laughs> I held your hand at A-Fest. You did. That was nice. You were a dirty girl there. <laughs> Let's not talk about car rides now. <laughs> so 
So anyway, about knows what about I'm that shoujo. <laughs> That's a story for another day, and that never actually made it on camera. I think so. Anyway, no, no, um, no, it never did because I was driving. <laughs> but anyway, um, why don't we start off with the ADR director and script writer? Um, because somebody decided to pull double duty here today. Uh, and is acting as both the director and the scriptwriter, and that would be Mr. Kyle Colby Jones, who, if you have ever seen any shows that he's directed and scripted before, he has done. He's also pulled double duty for shows such as Akame Ga Kill, Kino's Journey, uh, Fibering Puzzle of God and Love, Chinobu, and Other Delusions. So, starting us off, who would like to go first and tell us their thoughts on what they think the directing, how the directing and the writing went for them? Um, I guess I'll go. Okay. Okay, um, Kyle Jones can be kind of inconsistent as a director, and a lot of times, I mean, for every parasite, we get something when the comic got killed. Uh, but I think this is definitely one of his better works, and probably one of the best dubs I've ever seen from him. I've always thought that Houston dubs were really strong when it comes to, like, low-key, slice-of-life stuff, instead of, like, loud, shonen things. And this show really kind of plays in that. Uh, the majority of the cast performances really make the characters sound like real people. And that really does a lot to sell a lot of the more serious moments. And so yeah. gives it some pretty decent legroom for comedy. I mean, not everything here works, but it generally stays consistent. And since that's kind of the problem I tend to have with Sentai Duds, I'm really glad it's been able to avoid that issue. Um, far as the writing goes, I... I'm mostly pretty fine with it. Some parts of it are a little bit too dude-bro for me, and it feels kind of at odds with the show itself. Uh, but the script's pretty faithful for the most part, and that stuff is generally in the background, so uh, for the most part, I'm pretty happy with it. Okay. Who's next? Uh, Diabetes. Oh. <laughs> Time for your Stop it before I have to give myself anyway. a shot. <laughs> you go. <laughs> Alright. <sighs> Speaking of shots, shot through the heart and Gigi's to blame. Kyle Colby Jones giving my love story a bad name. Just kidding. It was pretty good. Alright. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking as both as both like him as a director and a writer, um, it's very true to the original Japanese. It doesn't deviate from the source material pretty much at all, except for a few funny jokes that I like. Because you know me, I like the joke dubs. There was a, like a Lion King joke in there, and there was like something about that was hysterical. Though. Oh my god, I died! Beautiful. And like the sparkle joke, like all the little cute jokes that he threw in there, I thought <laughs> were pretty funny. Um, and I also thought he did something very unique for a Sentai dub, which is he brought in Funimation actors to play two out of the three main characters, which I can't remember Sentai doing for like a main main character in a really long time. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, because all I remember is Josh Greeley in Diabolic, and he didn't play uh, a main character. Yeah, there's been, uh, there, has been, there have been other instances where they pulled... Um, people from Dallas to be well, major roles. Yeah, Josh Grayley used to start a lot of set dubs, actually. Yeah, I think Josh Grayley, if I recall correctly, he more or less got to start with ADV. 
Well, either way, either way you want to look at it, I think it was a great choice because I can't think of a single girl in Sentai's catalog that could have pulled off Rinko. So I thought that was a great choice. Um, the only other thing I have to say about this really is that throughout the course of the series, there's a lot of repetition of tones, of words, of ways that the actors were directed and it got really you mean stale. for example i love her yeah i love her i love her i love her i love her i i mean i know it's that way in the japanese too it's pretty much the same any way you look at it and andrew love tried to make it variable i think but i'll talk about that more when i talk Gigi. about what spoilers the name everybody fucking knows it <laughs> Spoilers! Just fucking edit me out. I can't I say sh I can't say shit because I literally started screaming Dave Trosco's name in horrific <laughs> anger during an episode. So <laughs> well, anyway, during the parts where Takeo talks, there are some definite places where the words and the tones could have been more varied. I mean, he I think he did as good of a job as he could with what he had to work with because this is saccharine shoujo romance there's no trash in here unfortunately for me uh but i mean it it's super cute for the most part and i think he did a solid job can't really fault him too much except for some stuff i'm gonna <laughs> talk about later oh yeah and all the walla girls sound like valley girls which really pisses me off <laughs> yeah, i thought that was it, funny i did it <laughs> I was like, not all teenage girls sound uh, like that. I think kind of the point that was made with that one is because very early on we learned that um, the girls that Takio ends up liking basically talk Art bad bitches. about him behind his back. I think that was the point. And I can understand that decision. Megan! Uh, well, this is the first time I've ever watched this show. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> Welcome back to Megan is Behind on Things. Uh, this week, diabetes. <laughs> um, I, I genuinely did it. Give me my shots, Morty. Morty, I need my shots of sugar. <laughs> that is the worst Rick and Morty impression you will ever fucking hear. Uh, I don't watch Morty. that either. Morty. I'm pretty sure it. somewhere Ian Sinclair heard that and cried because I've disgraced Rick and Morty. Probably. <laughs> um, but... I think Wait, Kyle Ian Sinclair, what? Really because I lost that whole line. What? I hear. I heard Ian Sinclair, and then the the Skype call went blank. She she was she was saying because she's never seen Ricky Morty before that Ian that somewhere off in the distance Ian Sinclair is just crying on the inside because he loves he Ricky is. Morty. He's Ian crying. Sinclair loves Rick and Morty. Ian Sinclair like, loves I, me. Please, Dan Harmon, if you can hear me, I know you can't. Just please let Ian Sinclair be on one episode of Rick and Morty, where Rick and Morty run into Space Dandy. That would be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> anyway, back to what I was talking about. Um, I, I genuinely enjoyed the dub of this show. It probably made it more enjoyable for me than if I would have watched it in the Japanese, to be honest. Because, um, I, I mean, this is a good anime, but it's not like the most spectacular thing that came out from its year. You're and right. I feel like a lot of people really overhyped this show for me. Yep. Not saying names, but yeah, um 
I think how Kobe Jones, like Jet said, is he can either be a really, really good director, or he can be kind of in the middle. And I think this is probably on one of his higher-end things. Um, though, granted, when I tend to watch Sentai shows, I end up getting into, like, the Chris Ayers or the bottom barrel riders at Sentai. Because you I, love your trash. It's not even that. It's just, like, Chris Ayers directed fucking dramatical murder stuff. Stop acting like it never happened. That's why um, I said you like your trash. <laughs> hey, look, that dub could have been good. That dub could have been done as well as this one, but it wasn't. It wasn't. So, um, it Moving wasn't. On. So, I think that Kyle did a good job on the writing and directing front. I know there's only so many ways you can get a man to say, She's so cute. I love her. 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 Her? <laughs> so I think that Kyle really excels in writing a lot of the comedy for this show, and he picked a lot of really good actors for it. I feel like if some of the cast, I I mean, they're, they're fine, and they're not maybe what I was thinking their voice would be matched up to that character in their age, but it's not like the worst Sentai dub either. I feel like if I was more attached to this show, I'd have more to say on this, but I feel like I've watched better romantic comedies lately with better writing and better directing, so... Okay. If I had- Shameless plug, just fucking watch Sudere, children. Cool story, bro. I haven't touched that yet. Um... I think the best way to describe this show, aside from being diabetes cute, is it's a kind of I don't want to say it's an over the top romantic comedy because it doesn't go too too far um but it is a really really fun cutesy romantic comedy and it's one of those things where it's like a nice little taste of sugar something sweet um to go along with some of the bitter things you sometimes see in anime uh and because <laughs> believe me, there are some bad shit. Trust. Uh, and Kyle Kobe Jones, I'm realizing as well, is rather suited as a director and a writer for slice of life um, comedy kind of stuff too. Because um, to be fair, I have not seen Nakame Got Kill. I have still have not. I have not finished. Well, actually, I haven't really seen much of the dub of Parasite since I did the episode a couple of years ago. But I have seen Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun. Yeah, that's probably, to me, Kyle's best one. Yep. Um, <laughs> and so I think he's really suited suited for um, comedies and slice of life shows as well, similar to what uh, Jet and Megan are saying. And this is a very strong one, too. Some of the casting choices may kind of seem stereotypical to an extent, but like Gigi, I am glad that for two out of the three leads, they did pull in... Dallas folks to come and play these roles, and then when we get back to Andrew Love as Takeo later on, oh sweet lord, do I have words? Words. Um, words. <laughs> but I also have to say, in terms of the writing, oh god, um, yeah, like, it is, it does stay pretty faithful, I mean, they kept the booty tree line, 
it's he's a booty tree. Um, <laughs> and then, like Jet was kind of saying, and I didn't realize this until you actually said it, there are moments where they kind of go dude bro on you, but it's very, very rare. Uh, I think, although I think one of my favorite moments was fairly early on in the show, I think maybe like the second or third episode, and uh, Takio is calling out Suna for not having balls. And uh, after Takio learns that Suna's been turning down all of the girls who confess their love to him because they are basically a bunch of bitches and talk about his best friend behind his back, in comes Takio. He's like, you totally have balls! And then just kind of like, yes... Yes, I do. <laughs> like, that's not obvious. Like, there I'm was sorry. Suna is the best character because he is like the straight man. And he, all of Suna is shit. the straight man. It's great. Um, but it's fun little lines like that that just I could not stop laughing. And again, again, because we brought it up a few times, there are very few ways or many very few variations where you can say the same line. Um, but this is more going to be talking about Takeo and Andrew Love, which we'll get to a little later on. But directing and writing-wise, I feel like it's a, again, just like a lot of us here, is a very, very strong effort on Kyle Gobi Jones' part. Uh, do we feel like we're good to move on? Sure. Yeah. Alright. Yes. So, of course, how this is going to work, the majority of our characters are either in pairs, we have one trio later on, and then our three main characters are going to be by themselves. The first two characters to cover, they are friends. They're, they're probably the most, some of the most major, like, secondary or minor characters of the show, uh, because we have Osumu uh, Kurihara, who is a friend in Takeo's class, and we also have Nanako Yamazaki, who is a friend of Yamato at her school. Uh, and these two, they end up kind of falling in love with each other, too, and... and Motherfucker climbs a Christmas tree for this O. <laughs> it's a star in a Christmas tree. You gotta admit, that's cute. You gotta I, admit, I, I, that's, I that's a euphemism for something? I don't think huh? it was. No. What did you say, not, It is sweet and pure, and I would date him for that fucking star on top of the Christmas tree. That is ador- I, it is adorable. Um, but the two individuals who voice these characters, Kurihara is voiced by Cameron Botch, who you've probably heard in a series such as Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun as Megan's favorite boy, Wakamatsu. Yeah! Uh, Trinity Seven, Angelic Lair, and Martian successor, Nadesco. Wow. And then we also have Lucy Christian coming in. We have Lucy Christian coming in to voice Nanako, whom you have heard in shows such as Amagi Billion Park, Chika, The Coffin Princess, Dream Meter Mary, and Parasite The Maxim. How do we feel about these two performances? Well, can I just say first that I read the credits wrong, and I totally thought that the dude was played by Blake Shepard, so I spent the entire series waiting to hear, like, a hidden diabolic lover's joke, and then I realized that he's (laughs) the wrong guy. (laughs) Oh, I was like, Gigi got cock blocked by her own inability to read. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to describe it, I guess. And that's yeah. kids why knowledge is power. <laughs> the more you Jesus Christ. Down. The more you Sit know, down. folks. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I was Sit so down, disappointed. Gigi. Good. 
I was so disappointed. No, um, actually, this guy did a pretty good job. Um, I've never really heard anything that he's done before. So I was like, literally after I realized he wasn't Blake Shepard, I rewatched those parts. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and, and Lucy Christian was doing her best. I'm a Valley Girl, but I'm not a Valley Girl voice. So, like, I mean, I love Lucy Christian. She's up there in my top five female voice actresses. Um, so I, I thought she played a good little bitch because this girl's kind of a bitch. She's kind of a diva. I, yes, I, little bitch. I re- <laughs> Fuck you. I resonate with her a lot. So um, I thought they did good and even better once I realized that he wasn't Blake Shepard. Okay. Um, so as for me, I thought Lucy Christian was fine. I mean, it was sort of weird hearing her doing a ballet girl voice. I actually didn't even realize it was her until I read the credits. And yeah, I didn't realize it at first too, and then I saw it was oh no, I knew Lucy, it was a and then I was like, "Second, she talked." Yeah, I knew it was it, her, it, definitely. For me, it was kind of like I think maybe a couple scenes in, and then I was like, "Okay, there she is." Okay, oh, but yeah, I thought she was fine. Um, as far as Cameron Bash goes, eh, I'm not gonna lie here. I honestly couldn't stand his performance. I, really? Yeah. I thought he sounded like a little too goofy. I mean, I get the guy is kind of supposed okay. to be a silly character, but his voice was like way too exaggerated for me. And it kind of made him sound a little bit more annoying during all the parts where he was supposed to be funny. And then I couldn't really take him all that seriously during that whole big romantic moment in the Christmas episode. About the, I was about to ask, did the Christmas episode kind of throw you off a bit and annoy you? Because I know, yeah, I know that was like, a big thing for him. Yeah, that like re- yeah, that really kind of t- took me out of it a little bit. Okay. I mean, like it wasn't really enough to derail it up entirely, and I mean he's mostly in the background, so it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, but I wasn't really a fan. Okay. I think I've dated him before. Without <laughs> <laughs> the like little that. Christmas tree part, yeah. Without the nice part, Aww. I just got the douchebaggy part, where he'll like hold my hand and in private. To hang his star up on the highest tower. Oh I know he'll like hold my hand Anyways. in private and then not in public, and I'll be like, "Bitch." Anyway. Yeah. yeah. My turn. Uh, yes. I thought I knew that was Lucy Christian the, the second she talked because it's, it's a little obvious to me. Um, I uh, I thought she was pretty good. I feel like she was given the bitchy Valley Girl accent because she was mean at first and then turned out not to be. And I I don't know how I feel about that because it made her co- her character come off as unintentionally vapid. And shallow, which, granted, at the beginning she was kind of shallow. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they did capture a little bit of her growth as a person, so I can't be too bad. Um, I will agree with Jet on the. What the fuck is his name? Cameron? Not Cameron's Blake. performance? Not Blake. Not Blake. <laughs> <laughs> but Cameron. Um, I feel like. It is like Jet said that sometimes he was a little bit too doofy and horny. Mm. <laughs> um, so when you. So that when he was supposed to be taken seriously, 
it was a little bit more of a challenge, like in the Christmas episode, because now you're expecting me to believe that this vapid fuckboy who literally wants to ogle girls' titties at the beach can be a, a sweetheart and a good person. So, um... That's kind of my feelings. I don't think they're bad, but I feel like a couple of, like, minor nitpicky tweets, tweaks could have maybe strengthened them against some of the other members of the cast. Yeah. I that's mean, fair. But that's I like mean, a lot of guys. To be fair, that's how they act. Like, they're all super nice in private, and then in public, they're total dickbags. Here's... Yeah, but they, they were given... That's the thing. You can betray that without having to take it to the extreme. Though, granted, I feel like they felt like in this show, they may have had to. Because of the way that the show is kind of yeah. exaggerating things. Yeah. And I think that kind of segues into my thoughts on the performances. Because... I know one of the big notes that I wrote down when I was watching this, and this kind of came up more specifically after um, Kurihara and Nanako got together, was that their relationship is a rather interesting contrast to Takeo and Yamato. Because we have... The, the, the reason why this show is dying is cute, is Takeo and Yamato. <laughs> and then you have Nanako and Kuriha, who... I mean, let's face it, when you were in high school, how many couples did you know that were similar to that pair? Absolutely none. Oh, <laughs> I can probably name a few off the top of my head. Uh, Kureha and Nanako. That's, oh, okay, I do a lot of not, not talking about Yamato. Not talking about Yamato. Not talking about Yamato, because that number would be zero for me, too. The other one. Okay, yeah, I and do I, a lot of couples like that. Okay, yeah. And I think that was kind of the point of the show itself and going in that direction to kind of contrast that a bit and to that respect I think both Lucy and Cameron put that off very well uh, but I will also agree in terms especially with Cameron's performance it did get a little bit goofy sometimes and especially during the Christmas episode where you know he you know he likes her and he's just really nervous and trying to hide that, and he's not sure how to go about it with, no like, telling Nanako how he feels, it kind of goes overboard a little bit. So I can understand where the obnoxiousness and the annoyance comes in with um, Cameron as Kureha. But I think, in terms of both of them, the main purpose for that for that performance, really, and honestly, the big one of the bigger reasons why I wanted to include them in our discussion today was because it's a contrasting type of relationship to Takeo and Yamato and one that a lot of us commonly see nowadays so in that respect I think the two of them pulled that off very very well any other thoughts on Cameron and Lucy's performances here no nah, not really nope okay we're gonna talk about all right, we're gonna not Blake, not Blake, never Blake. Uh, let's talk about some parents. We're gonna talk about Takeo's parents, Yuriko Goda and Yutaka Goda, uh, which 
Megan found out something interesting just before we uh, started. So, Why does this keep happening? So you, the moms of Sentai. So Yuriko Goda, who is Takio's mother, is played by Marcy Banner, who has been in series such as Book of Ventura, Dramatical Murder, Red Garden, and Yon Koi. And Yutaka Goda is played by Josh Morrison, who has been in series such as Akamega Kill, Nobunaga the Fool, Wizard Barristers, and Outbreak Company. Now, Megan, do you want to start us off? Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, this is why. This is why I'm like groaning and being awful and fucking shit. Um, also, fun fact: she found out that Marcy Banner plays what the Grandma on Ghost Stories today. Uh, no, Marcy Banner plays uh the mom of the main character, okay. aka the lesbian principal. And if you've ever not watched the Ghost Stories dub, you should just watch it at least once. And if you want to hear Marcy Bannon play a um, young middle school lesbian girl, it's in this show. <laughs> um, but, what? No, Gigi's just laughing. Okay, uh, so I have mixed kind of feelings on these two. Because I feel like the dad is just there to be comic relief. Mm. Like, the dad serves no purpose in this show other than to uh, cause my sides to go into orbit because <laughs> of his appearance. Yes. And and his voice being, like, suave golf dad voice. <laughs> like, daddy. Hello, lady. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no, we are not. Don't you bring that evil into this house, Ricky Gigi. <laughs> Don't you bring that evil! Oh my god. <laughs> but like, I see him sitting there with a glass of wine going, Hello ladies. Would you like to date my gorilla? Smack his banana. I have a good backswing. So Pimpin' is what you're saying. Like, basically I'm waiting for him to like, pimp out Rinko. Um, oh my god! And now I've made the show dark. Um, <laughs> anyway. I didn't even think that was possible. Jet, yo, Jet, motherfucker, Jet motherfuckers, you've known me for how long? I was about to say, Jet, it's Megan. She'll pull the shit off all the time. I could, I could make Hello Kitty turn into a Satanist Metallica Juggalo Fiesta <laughs> if I put my mind to it. Listen, don't you be bringing my Hello Kitty into with this. With that Sanrio money. <laughs> Here's Sanrio money, man. <laughs> Sanrio money. How does it work? I'm going to tweet that prop later and ruin things for him. Um, <laughs> but in comparison, I feel like, because Marcy Banner, Man Marcy Banner is a good actress. Because she, of all things, was one of the saving graces in the the awful shit fiesta that was Dramatical Murders. Yes. But here's the thing. Her character was a grandmother figure. And I feel like while she does a really, really good job as Takeo's mom, like, I, I will admit, I almost cried when she was having her baby mm -hmm. and being like, my son isn't my little boy anymore. I could never get past that she sounded not like a 40-year-old woman to me. And it's not, it's not, because I don't want to blame her natural speaking voice if that's her natural speaking voice, but I 
feel like they could have made it a little less exaggerated. But then again, I'm pretty sure there are, like, probably actual 40-year-olds who sound like that. So I'm gonna shut my mouth because I sound like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who wants to go next? I guess I'll go next. Okay. Um, so like Megan was saying, the dad's just kind of there for comic relief, so I don't have too many thoughts on him. I thought Josh Morrison sounded pretty fine and pretty funny, and I thought Takeo's dad was cool. Um, as for Marcy Banner, like, she's such a mom. I mean, yes. like, one thing that happens a lot in anime that's always been kind of weird is that they always kind of have this strong tendency to over-idealize moms and make them these perfect, caring people. But Takeo's mom feels a lot more like an actual mom. Like, she's pretty laid back, she's not that concerned about his life till he actually brings home a girlfriend. And yeah. then she's, like, really tough as nails, and you can kind of see how Takeo is the way he is because she seems exactly like the kind of person who would have raised him. And Marcy Banner gets all that across perfectly, like, that tough as nails attitude. And it's honestly to the point where it doesn't even sound like a performance, it feels like an actual person. And when you're doing these kind of slice of life shows, that's about all you can really ask for, and I was really impressed. Alright, Gigi? Well, first of all, the only thing I have to say about the dad is why the fuck didn't they bust in Ian Sinclair to play the dad? Think of Gigi, not every show is meant to cater to your weird king. No, but think about how funny that would be, because you know that Takeo is the Sentai Ian Sinclair to have Ian Sinclair play his dad I would have fucking died and it would have been absolutely perfect because he sounds like Space Dandy anyways to Just- be fair that would have been hilarious as shit but anyway how do you feel about Josh Morrison Just saying. Just saying. Um, no, but I fucking love the dad. He can be my dream daddy any day. We'll put that out there. Um, uh... <laughs> and anyway. Have you guys ever seen the Garfield Christmas special where no. they go to like oh, John's have. grandma's farm or whatever? No, I no. don't think I have. Nope. No takers. Anyway, the mom sounds exactly like the grandma in the Garfield Christmas special. <laughs> So I was, like, having this weird deja vu flashback the entire time. Um, But I really thought that she sounded tough. And I like it when people who play relatives actually sound like each other. And I can definitely buy that she was Takeo's mom just from her voice alone. I thought, (coughs) sorry, I thought she was fierce, independent. But her voice did sound a little dated. Like it sound it played a lot older. Like somehow I missed that she was pregnant. And so like when she was going to the hospital and stuff to have her baby, I was like, What? I was like, when the fuck did she get pregnant? Is she too old to get pregnant? So I was just like, What? So yeah, I thought I, I agree. Dream daddies dream daddy's little swimmers don't know when to quit. Well that's because he's a dream daddy and everyone should be so lucky. Um but I do agree that she did sound too old to be just a mom but at the same time because of how Takeo's voice is I thought it did fit in it, He, she's more suited to being um, his mom than his grandma if that makes sense basically what you're saying is it's all in the genes kind of it is like and they sound similar I mean her yeah I get what you're saying because it's basically like a whole genetics kind of thing 
You said it's in her genes, and I was like, and so is the dad. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Anyways, um, I mean, I like Josh Morrison as the dad. The problem is, it wasn't that much of a memorable performance for me. Probably because he wasn't there too often. Um, the Marcy, though, the mom, um, very memorable, though, because she is what an actual mother is. Like Jet was saying, she's not like this glorified saint of an anime mom. She's your realistic or mother. Or dead. <laughs> or dead. Or dead. She's much more... She had an afro, not a side ponytail, therefore she was spared. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everyone it's knows so that a side true. ponytail is like... I mean, it's like... I wonder somewhere in like the ether where all the anime characters go like after they're done performing their little shows... If they have to put, like, a mark over their door so that the Grim Reaper doesn't come and steal them, a la the fucking passion. Not the passion. Whatever the one that happened in Egypt was. Passover? Yeah, it's a Passover. It was a Passover. I've watched enough Prince of Egypt to know what I'm talking about. We're done here. I'm Catholic! I'm Catholic, too! What's up? But anyway, yeah. Like, I'll I'll fully agree with Jet that, um, Yuriko Goda is very much more of a realistic mother. And Marcy does play that very well. And I'm also going to agree with Gigi. Even though it may seem like Marcy is a bit old for this character, considering considering how Takeo sounds, and again, this is this kind of also goes back to um, Kurehara and Nanako too, where we see Gota's parents being a different kind of relationship entirely. Where it's like the odd couple in a sense, where normally in what world would you see those kind of parents really being together? And I mean, have you seen some celebrity couples? I mean, life goals. But my point is really is that it's another kind of couple dynamic which works really well. And like Gigi was saying, because of how Takeo sounds, it makes sense to at least have one parent sounds very similar to that, and Marcy is the one who got to do that, while Josh is basically the low baritone bass kind of voice that brings that part into Takeo too. So you can tell that there is a family dynamic there, and the fact that Marcy and Josh, and then again when we go back to Takeo in a while, um, the three of them pull off that family dynamic really well is very enjoyable to me. Though I never figured out who voices Baby Maki, the little sister, and it kind of makes me sad. <laughs> they even pulled a random child off the streets of Houston. I doubt that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, Way I- Way to shit on my dreams, ma'am! I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, I would say Josh, while a good performance, wasn't the most memorable to me, but Marcy Banner was definitely a very memorable performance, and I thought it was well done. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on to our wonderfully named trio? Look, Ian Sinclair, I got you in a show for once. You're not even in it. You're welcome. (laughs) What did we learn this segment? I can make anything dark. (laughs) Just like my head. Oh boy. Um, so... It's like I'm straight out of the new Death Note movie. I haven't, I haven't even seen the new Death Note movie, and I don't. And after Too everything soon. I keep hearing, I don't plan to. I don't plan to see that movie. Uh, anyway. not, no, no, it's entertaining at least. I will say that. It, it is entertaining. It is very entertaining. 
Okay. My name is Ebony, Ebony Light Turner Way, and this is my dark dimension. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> have none of you ever heard of My Immortal? I've heard of what? None of you have ever heard of the fanfic My Immortal? No. No. Oh my god, Uh-oh. I have a treasure to fucking send you. <laughs> oh god. Right. Before it you- is literally- no, you don't understand. It is literally the worst fanfiction ever written. Well, before you send us that wonderful treasure you so kindly dubbed it, uh, let's move on to our next set of characters. Now, these three characters, um, we lovingly called them the Thirst Squad. Because if e- the squad and Yona of the Dawn can be yep. called the Hungry Happy Bunch, this can be the Thirsty Thirsty Bunch. So the three of the three characters we're going to talk about here, um, throughout the course of the show, they each have some kind of crush for one of the main three characters. So we have Maria Saijo, who is um, this girl in Takeo's class who helps run in a relay and then kind of just ends up falling for him. Uh, and it ends up being like, can I call you master? I like you as a person and as a mentor. And then there was that. Um, we have Yukika Amami, who has a crush on Suna. And the story with her is she's liked him ever since they were in kindergarten and every Valentine's Day, she would give him chocolates with a little letter saying, I don't want anything back in return. Just, I just want you to fall in love with and that becomes a whole little thing in latter half or latter third of the show. And then also in the last two episodes of the show, we are introduced to Koki Ichinose. Best who, boy. Uh, Best boy. <laughs> there's a reason why Gigi's calling him her, her, her best boy. So Ichinose is this pastry chef who works at a little patisserie that uh, Yamato decides to take a part-time job in. During spring break, he ends up falling in love with her because, first of all, misunderstanding of words. Like, he screwed up things that she was saying so bad. <laughs> but, um... He's the worst type of human. He's but, just misunderstood. Um, no, he's not. But, um... Ooh. But the last two episodes of the series are essentially... That arc in and of itself is essentially for Takio to kind of go through the whole what if I'm not suited for Yamato, what if there is someone who's out there who's better than her, and this is where Ichinose comes in to kind of cause that conflict. Um, the three individuals who voice these characters, as Maria Saijo, we have Stephanie Whittles, who has been in series such as Welcome to the NHK, Gate, Demon King, Daimo, and Girls und Panzer. We have for Yukika Am- Amami, Miss Juliet Simmons, whom you've hey. probably heard as the lead for Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. She's also in Dog and Scissors, Hamator, and Love Love. And then... God damn it! I love it when this happens. Ugh, okay. So, motherfucking Dave Matranga uh, is okay, Ichinose. Okay, can you say something first yes. before we move on to this? Yes. So, I'm sorry, Jet. We have to reveal this to you. So when uh, the girls and some of the boys uh, went to Anime Fest and we got to tour Funimation. So as um, Lauren was taking us around, we were going to go into one of the studios. And um, the director, uh, 
was like, oh yeah, let me go to the bathroom first and then I'll come back out. So we're standing in the hallway and Hardy just goes, oh hey Dave. And we look over <laughs> and there's fucking Dave Matranga. And he's like, hey guys. And I'm just like, he's I'm big. like behind the wall looking at him like a fucking creeper. He's a big fucking dude. He's tall. Oh, he's tall. Um, So he was on his phone. Uh, but yeah, Jet, do you want to take a guess at who the director who was in the bathroom who got to show us how the booth worked was? I'm gonna say Clifford Chapin. No. No. No, it wasn't DJ Bitch Baby. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, no, no. Go up the ladder, Jet. Mike McFarland. Yes. Yep! <laughs> he just happened to be right there, and Lauren was like, hey. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. No, and here's the best part of that. Lauren goes, so you guys all know who Mike is, right? And all of us in unison. Mike. Yes. <laughs> anyway, like Lauren. Kelly McGraw pants here. So, uh, Dave Matronka is, <laughs> we've brought him up so many times in the past couple years, but some shows you probably have heard him in would be Angel Beats, Canon, Kids on the Slope, and Tamako Market. Um, he's also, um you're Gigi's forgetting uh, one. Icy Hot Sleep. I was mo I was mostly looking for Sentai shows, thank you very much. He's totally She's also Gigi's Icy Hot Dildo Totoroki. Best boy. Sentai. Sentai. Yeah. But um that was my goal with this today. But um anyway, so who wants to start us off on their thoughts on these three performances? I, I will. Oh, Jack, you go first. Oh, okay. Uh, so as far as Dave Matranga goes, um, it was kind of funny to see him in this sort of role. I mean, I generally kind of associate him with emo teens like Tomoya mm -hmm. from Kaladad or Todoroki. Uh, so to see him play the arrogant pretty boy was a pretty interesting change of pace, and I thought he did a really good job at that. Uh, he got the whole cocky attitude thing down perfectly, and he played it so well that I really wanted this guy to get punched in the face. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I guess in some ways I'm glad they didn't make this guy like a completely cartoonishly evil jerk, but anyone mm. who tries to go after someone else's girlfriend and then tells that guy to their face to get lost is definitely the kind of guy I want to see get dumped on. Um, I didn't really have too many thoughts on Stephanie Whittles. Um, okay, but as far as Juliet Simmons and Yukika goes, I really like Yukika's story. Uh, both because it's really honest about something you don't see covered in a lot of romance shows. Uh, basically that people aren't necessarily obligated to return your feelings all the time, but that shouldn't necessarily stop you from uh, falling in love for that reason, and you shouldn't necessarily have to regret confessing to someone. Um, I mean, I was kind of rooting for her to get with Suda, but at the same time, I really respected the story with that fruit, and I think it was far better off for it. Yeah, I definitely... I can, I can agree with the whole story with Yukika, because that's one of those rare stories that you don't see portrayed probably that much in any form of media, not just anime. But um, Juliet, I really, I really liked her performance a lot. It was wonderfully bookish, um, like a bookish shy girl, like you, what you normally see. But those stalker tendencies, though, <laughs> those were funny as hell because she even full on admits it during one of the episodes she's in there that she is a stalker. <laughs> like I'm a stalker. What? It, this, he's not gonna like me. That kind of thing. And I was also rooting for. 
her to get with Suna, but yeah, I also agree that I did like how the anime went and kind of went with that storyline. Um, Stephanie Wills is, I think she was pretty enjoyable as kind of this rival love interest for Takeo, even though I feel like that story wasn't really developed as well as it probably could have been. It was, it was like, uh, each of these characters were basically like two episodes of story, that's it. And with, uh, with, um, Saijo's story, hers out of the three wasn't exactly the most developed arc of the story, because that could have gone a similar route that went with Ichinose to a sense, but in this, in her case, more on Yamato, because Yamato, throughout that entire couple of episodes, she's worried about other girls falling for Takeo, even though Takeo is like, I'm not popular with girls. Well, here you are, Takeo. Clearly, you are popular with other girls. Um, I mean, I feel like more guys want to choke on his banana than girls, but that's saying something. <laughs> I mean, nah. he is a he is a giant. He is a, like a giant gorilla teddy bear kind of guy. So, but um, okay, okay. What are we kidding? There's a bunch of thirsty ass moms on the beach checking him out like he was a yes. rack of ribs. Yes, <laughs> that was my god. That was funny. They looked at him like Hardy looked at the brisket at the heart eight. <laughs> that's so true. But yeah, like. It's not knocking against Stephanie Whittle's performance of Saijo. It's just, the, I think the character in that story arc isn't exactly as developed as some of the other ones here. And then Dave Matranga. David Matranga here. Um, such a cocky asshole, and it's amazing. <laughs> like, like Jed was saying, I, I'm used to like the more quiet kind of characters. The mo more, I get emo. I guess is the is the right term to call them. Because th that's like your Todorokis and your Bertolts and characters like that. So it's rare, it's fairly rare to see Dave go out of that zone a bit more. And I appreciate it coming in here. And I'm sorry, I, I, I kind of like died happily when he was speaking French terms. Like speaking in with like a dose of a French accent, I died. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I'm done. Because I am, because I am, uh, it was good, and I do have some French in me and my family, so I'm like, uh, you're speaking my language, but you are an asshole. I want to punch you in the fucking face. <laughs> Don't do that. But um, I'd say out of the three, I think Dave was probably my favorite. And then Juliet was, Juliet, I'd say, would be in the middle, and then Stephanie kind of on the lower end. But again, more because of how her character was developed, rather than her performance herself. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll go next. Um, I will agree with Steph, especially on the two girls. Um, Stephanie Whittles, unfortunately, was the more forgettable one, and I would say she's the weakest of the three. Um, it's she was she was okay, but I, I feel like she, she could have done better. But again, she's not the worst I've ever heard. I really like Juliet Simmons as the stalker, and I genuinely wanted her to get with Suna. And I felt bad that she didn't. There were some times it was like I could literally hear her slipping into a little bit of Sakura. I was like, oh, I remember this from Nozaki-kun, but yep. she's crazier. Yep. Um... However, champ of the day is Dave Matronga. 
who, like Jet, I wanted to punch in the face and kick in his tiny dick. <laughs> Not Dave himself, because I'm pretty sure Dave could bench press me. Dave um, is a what is a sweet human being with in the brief seconds that we met him. But. him. Because the dude was on the phone, he's like, hey guys. He um, didn't know what was going on. And then uh, I think he just was it was just cool with that. Can um, I just say also, the fun can also, I just say PS Cliff, you are not a, a bitch baby. You <laughs> probably also bitch me. Can I just say though the funniest part was that because I don't think he knew what was going like Dave didn't know what was going on at the time. And then later on in the day, because um Cliff, tra- we we said hi to Cliff. We ran into him, and then I think a few minutes later, he tracked us down again because he wanted to take a picture with us. And then he put it on his Twitter. And then Dave favorites it later, and I'm like, so now he knows what's going on. Now he understands. Now he knows what's going on. Also hilarious is uh, while we were walking in there, uh, Justin Cook was just out, um, and he goes, "Hey guys, asking her hard questions." And we're like, "Yeah," and he like just leaves, and like all of us give the look like. Holy shit, that was just cook. <laughs> yes. Um, we saw quite a but, few people that day. But no, like, I... I, He played this guy like every kind-sounding, entitled asshole you've mm-hmm. ever met. Yep. Because this motherfucker is the worst type of dude. The guy who's like, oh, I'm gonna, one, not only steal your girl... But I'm gonna use her as, like, this pedestaled, fragile property, which Takeo learned from her that she does not think she is. Because Rinko's like, I'm not the fragile little, like, babby that you think I am. I am not you your muse. Hold my hands. I am not your muse. Get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... I, I honestly wanted to kick him in his tiny dick and punch him in the face, and I think Dave did a great job really getting that off without being, like, super stereotypical. Because mm. at points he kind of sounded like a really douchebaggy Todoroki. But, uh... <laughs> kind of does, I agree. Now you say it. Okay, okay, I was watching My Hero, like, the night before. I watched Robert McCollum put the fear of God into Justin Briner's pants. That was great. Um, <laughs> um anyway, Gigi, just, just take over, because I'm sounding like a fucking drunk. Alright, well, I'm not drunk, so I'll talk about my best boy, Ichinose. Um, and I agree immensely. He did sound like a douchebaggy, overdramatic Todoroki, and it was fucking fantastic because Ichinose is the dude in all the Otome games who I pick first. Every time. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder why, because I like conceited fucking assholes. That is how I roll. Um, but it was. <laughs> He, like, seriously, best Otome Ikeman in my love story. Um, everybody says Suna's best boy, but I am on Team Ichinose all the way. Ichinose, also a very popular name in Otome games. Um, but uh, I just, it was so nice to hear this over-the-topness from Dave Matranga, because, again, not used to him sounding like that. He's always very kind of dry and kind of quiet and always feels like he's holding something in and here I felt like he just put balls to the wall and let all that out and I was so excited for it Um, and I think his performance also brought out really good performances from Rinko and Takeo. Now I don't know who recorded first or whatever so I'm not gonna try to assume that but I feel that because of this character 
the two of them were able to go to a place that they, we haven't discovered in the series yet until the last two episodes. Um, unfortunately for the other girls, <laughs> um, Saijo, I think hers was the arc I fell asleep through. Literally, I was like, this is boring. I'm going to take a nap. So I had to go back and rewatch this. Um, and something just sounds off. Like, I can't really pinpoint what the deal is with Saijo. I don't know if she's too Valley Girl or what, but something about her in particular, it just sounded off to me, and it really took me out of the character and made me not want to listen to her talk anymore. Um, I felt her off-puttedness, but I didn't feel, like, the sincerity that she's supposed to have when she's confessing her love to Takeo. Um, I got the insecurity, though. It was really effing annoying. Sorry. I just, there's like one dub in particular where I literally had to turn it off because the main character was so annoying. And if this, if she were in more episodes, I would have had to switch to subtitles. I just couldn't take it. Um, for Yukika, who for some reason has gray hair at the age of 15, um, I loved her. It's anime. What do you expect? I know, right? Well, I mean, you know, remember that time when I tried to dye my hair like that light purple gray and it turned out brown? Yeah, we don't we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I really loved her. I thought she really got the dark stalkery vibe and then she mixed it with this innocence and I thought she was super great. Um, and like as soon as she opened her mouth, like I was like, this girl is good. Like, I like this girl. Why is she not in more episodes? Like, I just, I wanted to hear this character speak more and have more to do with the anime. So, Ichinose Best Boy, Yukika, super great, Sai Joe, Sai Joe. I keep thinking they were saying Scar Joe through the whole thing, and I was like, no, we're not watching Ghost in the Shell, and then I took a nap, so the end. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of a shame that some of these, that these three only have, like, what two episodes a piece where they really get to kind of be there i think it's a shame because especially in yukika's case because i think character wise she's my favorite of the three i just wish she kind of was in there a bit more honestly this is like such um, a but... detriment to this anime because they have like some really good side stories but legit they only mm -hmm. last for two episodes like the only person yeah, like who appears more than their two episodes is Suna's sister. Which perfect segue if we don't have any other thoughts on these three. Let's go yeah, for can it. move on. Alright, so segue, let's talk about Aisunakawa, who is Suna's older sister, who is in college right now. She is three years older than Suna and Takeo, and we also find out that she kind of has had a crush on Takeo for the longest ass time. Um, and then we have Hayato Oda, who is a college classmate of Ai's, and he actually has a crush on her, but when she, he, he um, told her of his, of his feelings, he got rejected. So Hypnosis was a hell of a drug. Hypnosis, well, the, the big <laughs> story that comes in between these two especially is um, Oda is trying to essentially get I to confess her feelings to Takeo because she's saying that she's over it. She's fine now when she's not. And there's this whole thing with an amusement park and trying to get her to confess and 
it's actually a really interesting episode when you get the chance to look at it. And I think Oda's really only in like two, two maybe three episodes yeah. as well. But I does become a recurring character throughout the course of the show. Um, as as for who voices these two characters, I Sunakawa is voiced by Carly Moser, uh, whom you have heard in series such as Beyond the Boundary, Fate, Kaliad, Kokoro Connect, and Trinity Seven. Meanwhile, okay, who would she be in the Beyond the Boundary? Oh, she was the sister, wasn't she? She was the sister. Um, Monica and um, Adam gives a sister. And then Patrick Poole voices Hayato Oda, and you might have seen him in Seer Sedges Amnesia, Gachamon Crown's Insight, Garden of Words, and Devil Survivor 2. Who wants Wait, to start who, us off on their... Who is he in Amnesia? Brr, I, don't I don't know the name off the top of my head. I saw it, but... Who wants like he must who wants been... to start and I'll look this up? He must I'll I'll Trent. start while you look it up. Let, let me look Trent, this up and someone goes. Anyway, I'll start. Um uh, I genuinely enjoyed both of them. I think that they took a little while to grow on me first, because when I first heard Carly Moser as I, I wasn't totally behind it, and then she started freaking the fuck out. Um So I I, I got more used to it. Um, and then I think the two of them together had a really good bounce off of each other, even though you know that they're not in the booth together, but I feel like they were really well casted to balance each other's voices out. Um, I also did want to punch him in the face too, for the fucking <laughs> not Disneyland bullshit shenanigans. Look here, motherfucker. You're at the knockoff happiest place on earth. Don't pull that cock shit. I loved him. Um, but <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed the both of them. Um, I feel like I want to hear Harley Mosier in more things. Um, but the next, I don't know why I want to see her as the dog, the dog girl from Flying Witch now. Huh? I haven't seen Flying um, Witch, so I don't know what you're talking about. Have you watched Flying Witch? I want. I'm. I. I cannot wait for Flying Witch. The Flying Witch. I cannot wait for the Fall Sentai episodes because I'm in both of those and I'm hosting them both. Because Flying Witch and Haikyuu are my babies. Um, quick, quick question: Have you been watching New Game? Uh, don't talk about if I'm not, because I. I need to watch something <laughs> dark and bloody. Well, and you need to. You. <laughs> after you watch something dark and bloody, go watch New Game because I'm um, Carly. Kind of, I guess, kind of a segue. Carly kind of uses a similar voice that she did with I, um, with her. Oh, character is she here. the one with the cat that? Keeps she is the one with the cat. Okay, I liked her because I've seen the first episode, so um, I liked her, and I wouldn't mind actually seeing this guy show up in Haikyuu potentially, mm. not as somebody on Karasuno, but somebody in the cast because. That's gonna be all hands on deck for Sentai, so... I know where I want him <laughs> in Haikyuu. I know it, where I want him in Haikyuu. It's who? Um, I don't know his name. Who? He's on the white and teal team. The guy who's the playboy. No! I don't want him as Oikawa! Yes! I've had... Okay. Okay, okay. I don't know... I don't know when they recorded this, but hear me out, because I've had this dream casted in my head for like four years. You can talk about it when we talk about the episode. Chris Patton. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We are doing Okay, episode. fair. <laughs> anyway, fair. anyway, Gigi, go. Anyway, before Gigi steps in, uh, Ukio is the character he played in Amnesia. 
Oh, he plays the crazy one. Yes. Okay. That makes a now lot Gigi's of sense. I do actually. So thanks, thanks for saying that because I thought he was Kent because he was the one I'm missing. I forgot there was a crazy one. All right, so Oda in love, second best boy. Um, all I, I wrote down, I really love this voice. He's a playboy and a troublemaker, but I felt the sincerity in his feelings, and I just wish I could have heard more of him in this anime. Again, crappy two episode curse. Um, but now I'm gonna fucking go watch Amnesia. Well. And no, I'm not. I take that back. I will never watch Amnesia <laughs> voluntarily again. Um, <laughs> Fuck that show. Fuck, Fuck that, that show. show. Um, <laughs> but as for soon, I've never seen there, the dub. But fuck that show. I've never seen the dub either. I watched it in subtitle, okay. and that was enough for me. Fuck that show. Um, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Suna's sister, guys, I couldn't get behind it at all. Like, I just, there's something off again with her voice, just like Saijo. I can't exactly tell what it is, but it's not, it's not like an inflection or anything. There's just something off about it that makes me kind of cringy. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Um, I also thought she sounded too young. And I didn't think she sounded mature enough, even though the gap is only three years. Um, if you're going to make that big deal about this age gap to be like, oh, my God, like I never would have said anything because he's my younger brother's friend. But three years, I think you have to make it more defined in the voices because three years, not a big deal. I mean, it is if you're in high school and the other person's in college and it should have some kind of weight to it. I thought she sounded too young. Um, however, I did feel the passion for her unrequited love. I felt it. I felt it soon as sister. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around this voice at, just in general. But I felt like her acting was fine. There's just something that I couldn't get behind. Okay. Uh, Jet. Okay, um, so I'm not too familiar with Carly Moser, but I really liked her performance. I thought she was really good at capturing the whole cool big sister vibe that I kind of want to give off. And she also did a pretty good job of nailing out how immature I actually is on the inside. I mean, I wasn't too sure about the character herself at first, since I was kind of worried the show was just going to make her into a generic romantic rival. Um, but I'm really glad the show had enough sense to just let her back off after a while, and it kind of made her a bit more endearing. Um, as far as Patrick Poole goes, I'm kind of half and half on his performance. Um, like I said, uh, way back with the direction, uh, the thing I really kind of liked about this stuff is that a lot of the performances felt pretty natural, and it kind of worked within the tone of the show. Uh, but his performance, on the other hand, it kind of felt very stage theatery, uh, which isn't necessarily bad, but it didn't quite match the show or the character to me. Um, like, I was fine with David Betrega sounding hammy because that was a character, uh, but Hayato was clearly supposed to be a lot more laid back. I mean, I thought he sounded pretty fine during all the serious moments, but when it came to delivering jokes, it kind of felt like he was just reading off the script to me, and it didn't really make all the punchlines click for me. I mean, I wouldn't say his performance is outright bad or anything. It was perfectly serviceable, but it wasn't my favorite. Sorry, give me like two seconds. I'm curious, because you said um, 
Patrick Pugu kind of sounded like stagey theater, theater-y kind of stuff. I'm just curious to see if primarily is a stage actually. I love how we have the complete opposite opinions on both of these characters. Like, it's like looking in a really fucked up mirror. Because I'm like, yes, Patrick is uh, great. You're like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't like student assistant. And you're like, yes. Uh, well, that's a fun of discussion. Yeah, you gotta love discussions and things. That's um, a fun time. I mean, Trust I'm not me. gonna punch you in the face Wednesday's or anything, so it's going fine. to be a bloodbath. What's Wednesday? Oh, oh Wednesday's never gonna mind. Be... Wednesday is Wednes- gonna be a bloodbath. Oh, oh, Wednesday is gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not here Wednesday. Yeah, same. Wednesday is going to be interesting, to say the least. That's okay. I forgot Cliff Chapin was an actor. <laughs> what? I was going. Wait. 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 What the fuck? I'm so used to him now being our fake dad and a director <laughs> that I forgot he was an actor. So I literally, was over literally, when Roots and I went up to him, Roots, Roots just goes, went out to get milk. Hey, Dad. No, he didn't say that to him. <laughs> oh, no, he did. He did? You didn't hear it. You didn't hear it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't, I think he did, because me and him. No, I know, I know it was recorded on video later on. I don't remember him actually saying it, because I don't think Roots did. <laughs> Okay, know what else I have on video? You two scaring the bejesus out of me. I have that. You sent that to me. (laughs) Anyways, um, because I couldn't find that information. How could you forget that Cliff Chapin plays Bakugo, first of all? What the fuck? (laughs) Because number one, I never knew he played Bakugo. Gigi, do you not remember when we were playing Heads Up? (laughs) No, I remember. Gigi, you remember when we were- Yes. And you said trash, and the answer was Bakugo. (laughs) Yes. She was like, my trash! I was like, oh, Bakugo, and then I won a giant stuffed pig. You're welcome. No, here's um, the thing. I didn't know that it was Cliff Chapin playing Bakugo until we were at Anime Boston when I said, what the fuck, Cliff Chapin plays Bakugo? This is wrong. This is the same day as the Gundam Wing revelation. But no, I keep forgetting that he's an actor because he's our dream daddy now. And... Whoa! <laughs> and now, now it's okay, like, TMI. Yeah, uh, he's uh, TMI. not everybody's dream daddy. <laughs> and that, kids, is why we're never allowed back to fun. <laughs> this is why we're not allowed back anymore. This is why that. This Nobody is why Texas has are. to ban us. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, it wasn't because I made fun of their roads for like five days. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Oh God, I couldn't really find if um. Patrick was a stage actor, so I'll have to, I'd have to look into that a bit more later. But um, anyway, I have a leg cramp. I you think... guys keep talking. Anyway, I think both Carly and Patrick. I liked both of these performances actually, mostly because they both have two sides, a duality of sorts that they each have to play. With I, you have the mature sister but you also have this childish, kind of naive girl because, again, she's been in love with Takio for like 10 freaking years. And then you have Patrick as Oda, where he, on the outside, he does, he has like this cocky attitude, like happy-go-lucky kind of thing. But there were moments during 
the latter latter bits of the episodes he was in, where he kind of hides his true intentions and how he feels, and you can kind of see glimpses of that and that kind of serious tone come out in that performance. So, personally, I enjoyed both of these because of that. Um, though between the two, I did enjoy Carly, mostly because coming off of New Game, because... To be honest, to be fair, I finally started season two of New Game before I really started marathoning my love story. So, the performance that Carly gave here is similar to her performance in New Game to a sense, um, but again, she does have the actual like serious, mature, older sister kind of tone that she has sometimes. Uh, but I do, I did enjoy both of them, and. Um, Patrick Poole, I need to see him in more things that are not Amnesia. Because fuck that show. Though to fuck be fair, show. considering the character he does voice, I'm, 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 I'm only morbidly curious how he plays that character. That's you know, it. I kind of want to see it now. I kind of want to see it now. Yeah, because Ukiyo, Ukiyo is a crazy motherfucker. Ukiyo is Thinking a crazy about Cliff Chapin voicing Bakugo literally caused my muscles to spasm. <laughs> <laughs> The man is short, too, by the way. Cliff is short. <laughs> he might be smaller than me, and that's saying something. Oh, wow. Hi, Cliff. Do you even listen to episodes He's either. Not he's in? either... We're about to find either out. Exact, he, he's either exactly my height or slightly shorter than me. Anyway. I'm two Megan Shipman's wide. <laughs> Shut up, Megan. <laughs> That's awful. I am. No. Anyway, stop. Let's let's talk about anyway the the best boy. The best best boy. The best best boy. Yeah, let's talk about him. All right, let's talk about Makoto Sunakawa. Uh, he is Takeo's best friend. They are neighbors and have been friends for ten years since uh, Suna and his family moved in next door. And Suna basically is the He's the popular one. Girls fall for him because he's very good looking, and he's also rather quiet and kind of stoic. But, again, like we were kind of saying before, Suna usually turns him down. Mostly because... Mostly because those bitches... They bitches. They bitches. They bitches. <laughs> and Takio falls for bitches apparently constantly. But, um... I, and, and I think another big point for Suna's character is he doesn't really show his true self to anyone except for Takeo. So you don't really see him smile or laugh that often unless it's with Takeo. Because Takeo is just the kind of person that can bring that out of him. So when going back to our discussion earlier about Funimation people being pulled, this, out of, out of the three characters here, this is the one I didn't expect to happen. Honestly. And when I saw the announcement, the little announcement promo video that they put out, announcing who voices Suna, I was like, fuck you, no way. Um. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a what moment. Uh, so it's actually Austin Tyndall. Austin Tyndall is voicing Makoto Sunakawa. Uh, Obviously, we've talked about him several times. Nintendo. We've talked about him several times before at this point. Oh, but it's um, you assholes. <laughs> it's us, <laughs> bitches. Um, but other roles you probably heard Austin in. The only other Sentai role that I could look up aside from My Love Story that he's done is Cross Anjay, which I'm going to assume and guess. Ah! 
which I'm gonna <laughs> assume and guess. Um, he recorded both shows probably around the same time because I think Cross On oh, was released. Fuck Cross On! Cross On is awful. Do not watch Cross On. Fuck that anime. It's awful, but somehow I enjoyed it. I'll admit it. I haven't watched the dub. I've only seen the actual show, but um. Thought I knew you, man. <sighs> God damn it. But, um, yeah, I think My Love Story and Cross Ange are the only Sentai stuff that he's done so far. Uh, but you've obviously also heard him in series such as Tokyo Ghoul, Snow White with the Red Hair, as well as Aka 13. And. Uh, do we need. We need to dub Sua. Uh, what karma is Sua? Uh, he's mm. stoic karma, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say is... asexual karma. So, what? Yeah, stoic karma. What? Stoic karma. I was gonna say ace karma. He's not asexual. Saran wrap karma. <laughs> Saran wrap karma. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I just say? Because Megan brings up Saran wrap. <laughs> when I watched the show in the Japanese for the first time, and that scene happened, I laughed my ass off, and I hoped. Same. I hoped that scene would be every bit as funny in the dub, and it absolutely was. I'm sorry. That scene <laughs> so was great. That was the that best was one thing of ever. the best scenes in the whole show. And the fact, and the fact that he comes up again later on, and he's just sitting there traumatized, like. Uh. All I know is when he, when he, it's like, oh, what? You've never been kissed before. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> and just, to, just to kind of bring him up a little bit too. Um, because we do see younger versions of Suna and Takeo a little bit too. Uh, baby, baby Sunakawa, uh, is voiced by Bryson Bogus, who has been in series such as Diabolic Lovers More Blood, uh, Best Boy, Fate Khalid, uh, Don Machi, and Gachamon Crowd's Insight. So, primarily, I think this conversation is really going to be steered toward Austin and his performance, so who wants to start us off? Okay. Alright, okay. Jet, what do you think? Okay, so this is a very different role for Austin Tindall. Like, typically, he's either snarky characters like your Karmas or your Obis, or he's overly emotional like Kaneki. So seeing him play someone so stoic was kind of surprising, and I was a little weirded out when I saw the casting choice. Yeah. Uh, but once I actually heard him, I understood why they cast him, because he pretty much fit the role like a glove. I mean, it took me a little while to get used to how dry his performance was, but he stuck a good balance of making the character sound very reserved and quiet without completely devolving into monotone. And during the few moments where you do kind of get to see Suda be a little bit more emotive, he hit all those beats perfectly. And I was really impressed with just how well he got at the character. And then Suda himself is a really great character because the show could have very easily made him into some kind of cold jerk. But instead he's just this really laid-back, very supportive friend. And it's kind of refreshing because in addition to how the main romance of the show is portrayed, you also kind of don't really see this sort of friendship between male characters that much in anime. And while the dynamic between him and Takio can seem a little cartoony at times, I had absolutely no trouble believing those two were close friends. And, like I said before with the whole uh, Yuhika thing, I was kind of rooting to see him get a girlfriend before the show ended. But at the same time, I'm also kind of glad that never happened because, well, not everyone out there is looking for love and he seems pretty happy being by himself. So, I mean, I'm not entirely sure if I'd say he's my absolute favorite character, but he's definitely up there and I really appreciate it. 
So, Godspeed, Austin Tindall. <laughs> Be careful of that saran wrap, sir. <laughs> Didn't they actually do a promo, like, picture of Andy, yes. of, um... Yeah, yeah I think they did. they did. Voice holding, holding the saran wrap over Austin Tindall. I think they did, and yes. And Tindall just looked like, kill me now. <laughs> I think they did. I think I remember seeing that. That was great. Anyway, who if else? If you can find that picture and put it in the video, like, people need to see it because it's hysterical. <laughs> it was on somebody's I'll try Twitter and track account. it down. It, All I hear in the back of Austin Tyndall's mind as the saran ref goes, Oshiete. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like not this shit again. <laughs> not again. Not again. All I want to do is not go on a date with women. <laughs> but no, um, it's actually really funny is um, this reminded me a lot of white-haired Kaneki. Oh my god, yes. Because, um... That was the o the other stoic character he played when he wasn't going on full cannibalistic benders. Um, to which, never do bath salts, kids! <laughs> <laughs> you do weird shit when you're high. Like eating the others of your species and becoming a centipede monster. <laughs> anyway. And then, I'm not banging watching your the girl second season of without Tokyo a condom girl. and getting, pregger getting her preggers. No, you should watch it. It's awesome. It's awful, but it's awesome. Um, but I really liked how he pulled off Suna's stoicness and when he laughed, because whenever Suna laughed, it made me smile deep down in my dark heart. <laughs> dark heart. God damn it. I'll get you, bears. <laughs> what? It. It's from the Care Bear movie. Have you never? Have you never seen the second Care Bears movie? The best no, Care where this like movie. the devil, like the devil is like, man, those stupid bears got away. I'm gonna go to summer camp and prey on this lonely ass bitch because she wants to run a race really fast and make friends. And his name is Darkheart. Yep. And I don't know why it's making me sooner making me remind me oh my of God. Care Bears. Okay, you have to anyway. watch it now. I want to care. Now you have to watch the second Care Bears movie to understand this reference. And all I hear from a distant New Jersey computer is the sound of Andrew's anguish screaming <laughs> as I'm making a Care Bears reference. I can just hear him dying deep down, like as if Mina was murdered mercilessly in a chapter of My Hero. Oh, oh but, no. Um, no, I really loved, I loved Austin Tindall in this. He was like, I feel like Maybe, like, Clint Beckham or somebody could have did this, but I don't feel like you would get the reservedness that he can hold in his voice when he's being stoic, to which, I mean, three-fourths of us were on the Akka episode, and Gene Otis is pretty stoic. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we haven't heard him do it, obviously this being recorded before that. Um, and then the other thing is, too, he gets across guilt really well yes. like episode 9 made me really uncomfortable and almost made me cry um so Austin you almost made me cry again again I hope you're proud of yourself I hope you're proud of yourself and you owe me a beer <laughs> <laughs> uh, I accept inter I, I accept payment in forms of orange smirnoff <laughs> Anyway, um... Passing the torch. I think, yeah, I'll, I'll go <laughs> this. 
Because, um, for me, because, I mean, I've heard Austin go stoic before, and, and to me, there were moments where it's like, I didn't want to say he was phoning it in, but it felt like there were bits and pieces where he could have been phoning it in, because, I mean, I've heard him as Kaneki, I've heard him as G-Notice, um, again, granted, my love story was before Akka, but my point still stands. I don't want to say he's phoning it in, and there were, but there were few, very few moments where it seemed like that. But um, I think he definitely was a good, good counterbalance to Takeo and the betrayal there, because again, Suna is essentially the straight man of the whole show, and then because it was a decent performance throughout parts of the show, and then we get to. I'm pretty sure it's the same one as you're thinking. Episode, I think it's episode nine with um his dad's surgery. The dad, yeah, yeah. It's, I think that was the real big moment for me when, where Austin really kind of got to shine in those emotional bits, and he got to feel guilt because he he thinks that if he just went straight home instead of making like a stop at the convenience store, he could have done something more to help his dad. And it's a small moment, a small scene, yes, but it was very, very powerful to me, and it came across so well. So, by the end of it, I really did enjoy Austin's performance. And again, it, like I was saying earlier, it's one of those surprises that I never expected to happen for a Sentai dub, but it did. Uh, and aside from the small, small moments where I felt like he could have been like phoning it in, because again, I have heard him play Stoic before. I think it was a damn good performance, all in all. So you're Gigi. never gonna you're never gonna hear me say this again. But do you know who would have made an, a pretty good Suna? Who? Jerry Jewel. He's a very nice guy. Though. <laughs> coming from coming from you. Yeah. Dear God. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Like. I know, I know. I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying that, like, to me, Austin Tindall I mean, you're not always, wrong. Austin Tindall always sounds very dry to me, always, and very deadpan. So, De Jerry Jewell, king of deadpan. I think he would have made a good Suna, although skewed too old. However, he did play that kindergartner in Kadocha, so anything can happen. Um, but I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about Jerry. <laughs> yeah, could have been I'm a good Suna if they wanted the pull board. I'm not wrong, but I'm glad that Austin Tyndall was here instead of him. But if, you know, plan B, Jerry would have made a good Suna. Um, I think he had a very, very good contrast to Takeo because Takeo, we'll talk about him soon, loud and obnoxious. Austin Tyndall, very sweet, very nice, very dry. Um, but the thing about it is that it's dry and it works. Um, it's not like there's not a lot of emotion behind his words because there is like, I feel like there's a purpose behind all of them, which always helps when you're acting. Um, when he laughed, when he was like happy, that was just like a treat to hear him like sound so delighted. Like I was just like, Oh my God, there's Suna. There's Suna that all the girls fall in love with because if you but can crack crude. that shell, my friend, like he's super cute. Um, Though those memories he'll have sometimes of Takio being a big goofball. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. So, so cute there. Um, 
I really did like the depth that he got to, especially in the scenes where he's in the hospital waiting room, like waiting for his dad. Yeah. Um, I do think he could have pushed it further. Like, I know Suna is dry. He did play off the guilt very well, but I feel like there was like that final level he could have gone to that I just didn't get through any part of Suna's performance, actually. Um, but that being said, I thought he did a standout job. Suna in the Japanese is very quiet very reserved um and I, I liked what he did with him um like I said Jerry Jewell would have been an, an okay choice also but I can't think of any other Sentai person other than maybe Adam Gibbs who could have mm. who could have played Suna you know my suspicion at first like in my head when coming up with possible names to play in the show I think Adam Gibbs was one of those names I would have pegged for Suna actually, actually mine was David Petranka Ooh, that would have been a good choice, too. Really? But I'm glad he's the asshole. It should yeah, I'm glad he's where he is. I'm glad he's where he is. <laughs> I'm glad he's where he is. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I like Suna. He's not my favorite, but, I mean, Austin Tindall did a, a good job of playing him. He, but I always think Austin I mean, Tindall's very dry. It, my thing is, because you were talking about with um, Dad's surgery, you felt like he... Sh- could have possibly taken it to another level with that. I think personally it was plenty because I think the one of the larger things with Suna's character, and you can kind of see it here, he doesn't really open up too much to anyone, even with like really, really, really personal stuff going on, because he never told Takeo for the longest time what was going on with his dad. No, you're so, right. I just I, I really wanted the floodgates to just burst open. Um, but no, I feel happen. I feel like I feel like Austin holding it back a bit. That's part of Suna's character because he didn't really want to be talking about this to anyone, let alone his best friend. So I th- personally, I think him not going overboard, like letting like letting the floodgates open that much. I feel like that was actually a good choice, but that's just my personal opinion. This is why we're any other. This is why we do this stuff because discussions. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on? Uh, no, not really. Suda is best boy. Let's go. <laughs> no say. Suda is best boy. Is best boy with Oda as a runner. Ichinose, Ichinose is Gigi's best boy. We gotta be specific here. <laughs> That's why I like That's him. That's why he's Gigi's best Hashtag boy. Hashtag shoujo trash. Ooh, I found it. I didn't think I was gonna find it in this anime. I just did. There you go. Alright, so oh, let's boy. move on to... We have two characters left. Let's move on to the that female love awful. interest of the show. We're going to talk about Rinko that Yamato. Bad and I feel so, bad. Sh- I'm going to curl under, up, <laughs> up under a rock. Oh, no. Bye. I feel like words are going to happen. That was bad. <laughs> um, s- that you should feel bad. I don't know. That was the happiest I've ever sound. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Spongebob. Go back to your pineapple. Um, so... Oh, I didn't mean to come off me! Jet, you're right. That was that? really rude of me. What? Bad Megan! Bad Megan! I don't think... I can't make a Gigi pun, damn it. 
Oh god. <laughs> I'm gonna so need to context write that one back. Wise. So Please don't. <laughs> you wanna start a new game? <laughs> god fucking damn it. I, I, I don't know, I just need a royal tutor to make uh, really bad puns. We'll get to that in a second. Um Shut the fuck up before I punch you! I can sense the murderous intent through the internet. <laughs> I'm two seconds away from grabbing Alkaboos from my fridge. Cause I think I need it right now because of your fucking bullshit. Anyway, Rinko Yamato! The story of Rinko Yamato, you shut the fuck up, Megan, or I will kill you. Um. <laughs> god damn it! Oh my god! Why? <laughs> okay. So, in the first episode of the show, uh, we meet Rinko on the train, and Takio saves her from someone groping her ass. And. She instantly falls in love with Takeo, but the first few episodes, the story there, is basically Takeo thinks it's a repeat of what's happened since he was a kid, and he thinks Yamato's in love with Suna, which is not the case. Um, and Suna actually- the funny thing is, Takeo thinks that Suna actually is interested in Yamato, because he mentions to Takeo that she's a nice girl, only because Yamato really likes Takeo. So once that misunderstanding cleared up, they kind of they become a couple, they start dating. She's really good at baking little desserts and cooking and all that kind of stuff. But she's basically this sweet little cinnamon roll, too good and pure for this world, or I should say, not oh, too you good dirty and pure for this world. You because are... according to her, she's not a pure and innocent dirty girl slut. because she you wants want me to hold call hands you by my first name and cuddle. And things, and I'm like, what? sins of the flesh. <laughs> sins of Shame. the flesh. Shame. Shame. Who did we come across? Um, dude, she's she's a cinnamon roll too good and pure for this world. I don't care what she thinks of herself. Um, but, but when you when you need a sweet and pure and innocent cinnamon roll too good and pure for this world. This is where you bring Tia Ballard in. Uh, she's the other her, she's the other uh, actress who was pulled from the Dallas pool to come in here. Uh, if you're not familiar with Tia Ballard, the she's actually this is only one of three major roles I've seen her or track down for Sentai stuff. She's also been in series such as Little Busters and Long Horizon. Uh, but you've you've also heard her in other shows such as Rage of Bahamut and kind of as Megan was mentioning before and trying to piss me off, she's a new game. And for the whole backing this up joke, so she plays Megami and Shiki. How Shiki no ends up reason. fucking, how Megami ends up fucking dying? She gets fucking rolled over by a goddamn tractor. Beep. Spoiler. Ooh, bitch, Ow. get out the way. Get out the way. Bitch, get out the way. It's still a good show, you should watch it anyway, but fuck no, you, Megan. Don't you love me. <laughs> God damn it! Get out the way, bitch. Get out the way. I fucking hate you. I hate you guys right now. Um, so... I just take no, any excuse to rap. Yeah! Again, I was... Again, I was mostly trying to find some She's gonna want a little bust my balls. Kiss him, not me. 
Kiss him, not me. He's not Sentai, you dum dum. I know. <sighs> Tia Ballard is my senpai. Tia Ballard is is all of our senpai. She's honorary girl. She's honorary member of Girls' Night. Um. Night. So because y'all are being a pain in the ass, Jet, why don't you go first? How, how do you feel about Tia? <laughs> okay. Uh, so this was another case of me being kind of surprised by the casting choice because I, mean, I strongly associate Tia Ballard with like more mature characters or like cats. Um, <laughs> this is not a lot of back in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Jet's going no. first. <laughs> okay. No, yes. Okay, okay. But anyway, I was very happy with what I heard. Dang it. <laughs> okay, so she got Rinko's sugary sweetness down to a T, and she managed mm -hmm. to pull it off without making her sound a little too silly. I mean, I will say at first I was a little bit put off by her performance just because I thought her voice sounded deeper than what I was expecting for Rico. Uh, but once she got once she got into character pretty fast, and I got over that very quickly, uh, so I thought she did a fine job. Um, as far as Rico herself goes, I really liked her character. I mean, I was kind of afraid they were going to make her a little bit too overly pure, but she's given enough to work with to feel endearing and. I got a few kicks out of seeing her being Uh, which one do you want to punch less? That was kind of funny. Yeah. Should I- Do I dare to let one of you two go next? Gigi, you go next. <laughs> I knew it was me. I knew it was me. Um, well, you weren't- so You weren't making too. as many crap- I about to say, you weren't making as many cracks as Megan was. So yeah, of course I don't want to punch you as much as her right now. Yay, I win. So, Tia Ballard, she's so cute, especially with the parts where she's more assertive. Honestly, like when she like got her little, oh my God, I'm so ashamed I want to hold his hand. Like that was freaking adorable. Like I just, I died. Tia is cute doing cute things. And I almost forgot how adorable she was because I really don't think I've heard her voice anything since Kamisama Kiss. So I was like, oh my god, again, like Cliff, I forgot Tia was a voice actress. <laughs> surprise! Just, I'm so used to, I know, surprise, I'm so used to them directing. You might her, say you might say Wait, has amnesia. Oh, <laughs> oh. No. Do not bring that evil show into my house. Put me in the cage. Put me in the cage. <laughs> anyway. Nothing. Nothing. Um, so, so Rinko, Rinko drips saccharin, and it's perfect, and I love it so much. And, you know, like, I had never, like, I'd seen half the show in subtitle, and then I just watched the whole thing in dub for this thing. And I've, I'd seen a lot of reviews where everybody was praising the character of Rinko so much because she actually had a sex drive, and I was like... No. I was like, this is still TV PG, kids. So for all those reviewers who are like, oh my god, Rinko, you know, it's not the dude who's like got the dirty sex drive, it's Rinko. I don't think so. She's just a normal girl. Like she wants to kiss and hold hands. Yeah. Takeo is huge, dude. She maybe wants to climb that like a tree, but she's not saying it. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, but she is too cute for anything and not at all a dirty girl, so I love you, Tia Senpai. I love you, Rinko. Be I my coach, the end. 
All right, Megan. I suppose I suppose I can let you talk about your thoughts. We didn't mean to cross you. Well, you're being a pain in my I'm ass right now. Um. Da 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 da. I mean, her performance was like something out of a fairy tale. God damn it! No. But up, up, but up, up. No, no, you're the one in charge! No. I'm a- I'm sorry, Bob. No, T.M. Hallard was fantastic, and I think everyone- I agree with everyone that it took a little bit to get into, but when she did, I couldn't imagine anybody else being Rinko because she was so damn cute and so pure. Um, and though I do agree with Gigi, I feel like her- the whole, like, her sex drive is there. She just wants to, like, do normal boyfriendy, girlfriendy stuff. Uh, nobody is really that thirsty in this show besides the thirsty, thirsty, thirst squad. Uh, yeah, that's my thoughts. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. She doesn't want me to leave and possibly murder her. Um. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement too. Like, cause this is the first time I'm hearing Tia in a Sentai show, cause I haven't seen Lock, Horizon, or Little Busters. And so obviously when I heard that she was cast in here like Jet, I was like, what? But um she was every bit of sweet and adorable goodness as I imagined it to be. Because Ringo is this sweet and innocent girl and who loves the big desserts and who loves her boyfriend in a weird way because Takio is not the kind of guy I would date, that's for sure. Um, but she's, she brings this really, she's the, she's pretty much the reason why this show is diabetes cute. Yeah, She oh is pretty God. much the reason why. And Tia is able to carry that very, very well. And the moments between her and Takio, excuse me, and I'll probably bring this up again more with Takio and their relationship. They play off of each other so well, and it's so cute, and it's so adorable. It's just, oh my god, it's like, that's almost relationship goals to me. <laughs> Except not, because that's not really all that realistic, to be fair. 13 but, episodes um, to hold hands. 13 episodes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, but, um, Mama, don't play. Yeah, you don't play. I might. <laughs> 13 Man, I no, might be like, everyone moves at their own pace. Yeah, everybody's got their own pace. That's a lifetime. It's <laughs> a lifetime. But um <laughs> But yeah, Tia's definitely just this sweet, adorable girl who cause um, another big thing for her and Takeo, they've never been in a relationship before. They've never fallen in love before. So a lot of the experiences that both Rinko and Takeo go through, they're all first for them. So, of course, it's it's gonna be sweet and adorable, like your first time holding hands with your boyfriend, the first time you kiss your boyfriend, that kind of stuff, and when Tia plays those moments, it's just really, really adorable. And, I mean, the whole sex drive thing, it's like, I don't think... I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's like, she just wants to have those little moments that in a relationship that she's never had before. I mean, who doesn't when you're in your first relationship, you know? But, um, yeah, Tia is very adorable in this show. Surprise surprisingly adorable, because I was like, this is an 
odd choice. I didn't know how to feel about it, and then I hear it, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, totally, I'm sold. I think one of the great, great things about Tia's performance is that a lot of the times when you get a sickeningly sweet character, you kind of want to punch him in the face after about six episodes because they start to annoy you. Um, Rico yeah, but never it never came off as that. Yeah, Rinko never annoyed me, so I'm. She, I just wanted to hug her all the time. I love her. I love her. She's so cute. <laughs> I love her. She's so cute. I, love her. I mean, I. Oh my god, I think, my levels. <laughs> I think those. I think we have the same sentiments about Rinko because you are right. There are char- There are characters in anime and, and and almost any medium really where they are so cute to the point where it's obnoxious. Tia never crosses that line with Rinko. Good job, senpai. Yes. All right, boys and girls. I'm ready to do this. You ready to I'm move ready on? To hate ready myself. to go to our last character? Yep. Yes. Oh boy. Let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Takeo Goda. Uh, Takeo is our lead character, of course, of the show. He, early on, of course, he just keeps falling for these girls who are bitches. And talk about him behind his back and want to date his best friend instead. But um, yeah, he saves Rinko on the train, falls in love with her. They eventually start dating after that misunderstanding I mentioned before. And he, the best way, the best way to describe his, his describe his character. Look at his parents. Look at how the ki- the his parents are. Men, Mar- put men, them together. There's Takeo. Right Takeo there. the man's man. Manly, yes. manly man. Yes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> cafe called Machos. <laughs> that was the best thing ever. <laughs> like, he just, he's like, this is my part-time job. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's great. But he's um, like working at a bear cafe. Yes. <laughs> But, um, I think the best way to kind of lead into who voices this person is I have a story. So that figurative casting in my head for my love story, because I only really focused at the time on the main three characters. And at the time, there was only one person I could think of who could voice Gota. And when I heard who it was, I was excited. Because motherfucking Andrew Love coming in here. Uh, is Takeo Goda, whom, if you do not know who this individual is, you've heard him in series such as Hamatora, Five Brain Puzzle of God, Diabolic Lovers More Blood, as well as Angel Beats. Oh boy. Um, and I think, as far as I'm aware of, this is probably one of, if not his first lead role in a show. Uh, as far as I'm it aware depends of. on how you define Kids on the Slope, but we don't talk about that dub. Steve which Foster. one was he in Kids on the Which one was he? Which one was he in Kids I on the Slope? That's a, uh, he uh, he was the drummer kid in Kids on the Slope. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I didn't did see that. that. I've seen the show. You, just you, not the you, dub. You, you don't need to see the dub for that. You don't. I'm about to say I've seen the show itself, but I haven't seen the dub before. Okay. Um. So I'd say though. So then, my point kind of stands. One of, if not his first leads. Um. So. I kind of want to start this off with my thoughts going with Andrew Love gets to go all crazy with his range in this entire show. 
And I think it's very wonderful and very hilarious, because for the 50 millionth time, there's only so many variations in which you can say, I love her, or she is cute. And Andrew Love just goes balls to the walls with all of it. And it's a very interesting mix for his character where he has... It wasn't a ball! The serious, gentle, giant Excuse kind of me. moments that you see. But then you can also see him go completely ballistic. And... It wasn't a bug! Oh my god! That was amazing! I want to do but, um Booty tree! <laughs> I want to do over I want to do over Miss Yopat! It's... It's so cute because... Takeo is not someone you typically peg as the main character in a romantic comedy like this. Well, a romance, I should say. Comedy, maybe. No. Romance like this. You don't normally peg him as the main character. That's more along the lines of maybe like Suna or something. So, first of all, the fact that the show itself decided to take, a, take this person who you normally wouldn't peg having their own little romance story and make him as the lead, first of all, I like that. Breaking, like, the typecasting and the type- and the stereotypical mold, first of all. And then, Andrew Love playing so many of these sides of Takeo, and he has such a great balance with a bunch of the other voices that you hear in the show. All the moments that he and Tia has are so adorable and cute. All the moments that he and Austin have, it's a great dynamic because I know one of the big things that they pushed early on was the Red Ogre Blue Ogre story and that comparison for the two. His relationship with his parents, his relationship to his peers. All of its interesting dynamics that Andrew Love gets to play and I think he pulls them off very well. There are, there can be times where some of those crazy moments are very over the top. Very, very over the top. There are times where that can happen, but I still think it's a fun performance. He basically, I think Andrew Love stole the show, ran with it, and he just had so much fun with it. Uh, and I, I think um, he's probably one of my favorite performances of the show, if not my favorite. But again, I, there's just so few moments, though, that it kind of went over the top for me. And kind of took me out of it a bit but it was such a fun performance and i'm so happy he got to be this character and have so much fun with it okay yes. you, you guys know um, i'm in love with andrew love right like, yes like in love with him he's sentai yes. ian sinclair um so i uh honestly this dub kind of broke my heart a little bit and by a little bit, I mean a lot. Because, first of all, like I said at the beginning of the show, Takeo is my spirit animal. Because, like, for those of you who don't know what I look like, who don't watch my YouTube channel, I am tall and I am a big girl. Um, and so, like, Steph is right. You don't see characters like Takeo being the protagonist in a romantic comedy. They're usually saved for best friend comic book relief material. So when I started watching my love story, I was like, oh, my God, I was like, this guy is me. Like, it's very strange, except he likes to, you know, do judo and swim. And I like to sit on my couch and talk about Ian Sinclair. So um, but, in your show, in my show, trash, exactly. Um, so I just I really like I really 
feel a lot of myself in this character. And when I found out Andrew Love was voicing him, because obvious casting choice is obvious, because nobody else at Sentai could have done him justice. The only other person, if we were going to go to Funimation, would have been to throw Ian Sinclair in there. I'm glad he's not. I'm really glad Ian Sinclair is not this role at all. Um, Andrew Love has a very, very distinctive voice, which is why I like him so much. Like, it's very alpha male, which is something that I really love. Um, And I really wanted to hear him in this role for all of the softer parts that Takeo has, like all of his inner monologues where he's talking about how much he loves Rinko and how much, you know, she means to him and all of this stuff. And I just, that's where I wanted to hear him act. And I'm lucky because during those parts, he was stellar and I was not disappointed in the least. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> those parts only really make up about a quarter of the show, and three quarters of the show is Andrew Love yelling a lot. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, you know, if you've seen the old ADV trailers on their DVDs, he's the dude that does the anime network commercial where he goes, come on, baby, and all that kind of weird shit. Like, he's yelling all the time, and I was just like... Oh, I didn't know that. Takio, can you please stop yelling? Takio, yeah. Takio, can you please stop yelling? Takio, can you please stop yelling? Can you please stop yelling? Can you please stop yelling? I just felt that even though it was done, like, for comedic relief and for comedic timing, and because that's how Takio is, he's a big guy with a big voice, I felt that Andrew Love was yelling at me for six hours and I was like, I, I love you, but please stop. Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. And like, after a while, I just kind of wanted to mute it. I did like a counter to see how many times he would like just start yelling out of nowhere, like with no motivation to yell, even where yelling wasn't even like, and this is a directoral choice also, um, where yelling didn't even have to happen it just did for like comedic timing or whatever you wanted to do with it it's a lot of Andrew Love yelling and while I really loved some of it because it was funny like 49% of it I was just like please stop yelling at me I get it Takeo's loud you're loud please stop yelling at me like so I like I really really wanted to love this more than anything in the universe but I was really disappointed because most of the show was repetitive yelling and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. Like, but all the parts where he's really nice and soft are super wonderful. And like I said, you know, more than half of the yelling was okay, but just when it got to like episode, I want to say like 10 or 11, I was like, can you just please stop yelling? I love you, Andrew Love, but oh my God, please stop yelling. And I still love Andrew Love, and I still he is still Sentai Best Boy. I guess, but I just I think I need Andrew Jet, Love in small Jet doses. His love needs to come in a tiny package. Oh, so baby. I'm sorry. Uh, I guess I'll go next. <laughs> but I, I do agree with Gigi it's, on it's the It's not the size; thing. it's the motion of the ocean. Because while it is, there are certain times in later episodes where it's funny, like where he realizes that she she kissed him. Um, and. Like, that was hysterical. But for me, the really big high points of Andrew is Takeo. Yeah, that was hysterical. He's at his quietest. That was great. Uh, like, 
I genuinely felt for him, again, as another bigger girl, which means you don't see a mm. lot of fat anime characters unless they're horrible, sci like, comic reliefs, which is why, like, one of my favorite anime characters is Tamako uh, from Silver Spoon, because she was a comedic relief character, and she could get really skinny really fast, but she just put all the weight back on because she said, fuck it, that's how I like to look. And her thing was that she wanted to be fucking rich. Um... Tomiko is goals. Tomiko from Silver Spoon is goals. Um. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody and their mom. Okay, the fact that Silver Spoon is the only Hirokawa work that has an anime that doesn't have a dub is a trap. So did I. Because it's one of the best. It's one of her best series. Um. But that's an argument for another day, and I wish it would have. I think I said that in the Q&A video that yes. hopefully will be out by the time this video is up. Noah! Um, but I, the point, the example I want to give for when I think Andrew Love is at his best for this character is in the last two episodes when he's internally conflicted about his love uh, of if he's the right guy for Rinko. Which I wish yes. would have happened more often in the series, too, yep. because I feel like he yes. was a little too perfect at points. Yep. Because, yes. I mean, the man could jump out of a flaming building and be fine. Um, but I feel like when he gave the speech that she couldn't hear in his mind going, like, no matter what she chooses, I'll be happy. <laughs> and if she chooses to break up with me, I'll respect that because I truly do love her. And the fact that he was a big dude that was really insecure about himself, I think Andrew Love got across really well. Because I don't think a lot of male voice actors can get that across sometimes. Um, so I really appreciated that. I do wish that yes. Andrew Love could get a little bit more of those quieter moments. Computer yep. screen, come the fuck back on. Thank you. Uh, no, my computer has been timing out. If I don't move my mouse, which is why you can hear me clicking around in the back. Because I need to keep it all awake. But, um, <laughs> I do, I do love the shit of this performance. And I don't know if this, I think this counted in last year's dubbies, because it came out in November, so it barely made... No, I think the home video release was December. As a, as a, and a, yeah, I'm pretty sure I gave, no, I'm pretty sure I gave T.A. Bauer to nod. I, I you got, did, I got but to I think you slightly copy. cheated, because I remember there was some slight cheating... Because I believe my love yeah, story every, was yeah, December. Yeah, I got my month early too because of the right stuff Christmas too. Anyway, that's a different thing. I would if if he's allowed to be nominated, he's a potential contender. I do feel like there are other romantic comedy series that have over the top screamy characters that also do it a little bit better. Studary Children. Um, but I I do appreciate Andrew Love's thing, and I would like to see him get more lead roles. Uh, because he proved that he could do both comedic and quiet, so that is my piece. Yeah. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. Alright, so to be honest, when I first saw that Andrew Law was cast in Estakeo, I was kind of a little bit let down because I sort of didn't want it to be him. I mean, like, I like Andrew Love a lot as an actor, but I thought it was a little bit too obvious of a casting choice. And I also wasn't sure if he was going to be able to match the Baruto, Nana, Takeo Seiyu, Takeo Eguchi brought to the role. And so I was kind of hoping for someone more on the lines of maybe Rob Bunkle or David Wald. 
Uh, but having said all that, when I actually heard his performance, I was really impressed. I mean, like, it wasn't as deep as what Taki Higuchi went for, but in a lot of ways, I think it worked out better. Because it allowed Takeo to pass off a little bit more as an actual teenager while still sounding pretty exaggerated. And a lot of his wide reads are just really hilarious. Uh, he brought a lot of energy to the role, and it made Takeo sound larger than life in pretty much every scene he was in. And I got a lot of mileage out of how he handled all the comedic stuff. And he handled all the tender moments really well, too. Uh, there were a couple of moments where I thought maybe he would let it on a little bit too thick, but it always felt pretty in character for Takeo, and I can't really imagine anyone else doing the character now. And, uh, like you all were saying, I'm just really happy Takeo was a character we got, because he's the kind of character who is almost always, like, the side comic relief in these kinds of stories, so to see him be the lead here was really refreshing, I mean, he's just such a lovable goofball that you really want to root for him with everything he does. And, I mean, part of me is still hoping someday we might get a story where someone is confident enough to make the gender-flipped version of this show. I mean, I have my doubts that ever, that's ever going to happen because nerds yeah, that's never gonna happen. anime. But for now, we have Tokyo at least, and I'm glad we have him because he's great. Okay. So I think this is probably a good segue to go into our final thoughts on the English dub of my love story. Uh, who would like to go first? Um, you know what, sure, I'll go again. Go, um, on a uh, go on ahead, Jet. Let's go. What do you think? Okay, so honestly, I'm really glad this show exists. I mean, like, the general perception with pretty much all media is that romance stories about healthy couples are, like, too boring or whatever. That people always watch stuff with like lots of melodrama, lots of like constant back and forth, will they or won't they kind of stuff. And Chojo in particular can get pretty trashy when it comes to this sort of thing. And so to see a romance story about like a perfectly happy couple is just kind of refreshing, actually. And I'm really glad the show turned out to be as well as it did. I mean, sure, it can be a little bit overly sugary at times, but I mean, the show is just so positive and warm that it's hard not to smile right along with it. I mean, it's not exactly my favorite Chojo anime of all time, that would probably be Nana, but it's definitely the one I appreciate the most, and I'm really happy I got to see it, and I definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, side note, because my love story has been on the back burner as an episode for a while, Jet was like, can we do this now? Can we do this now? Can we do this now? Because the only reason he bought the show was to do this episode with us. And I'm like, okay, we really need, because I'm sorry, the whole main holdup was I hadn't bought it yet. <laughs> so, my bad. But yeah, Jet really so wanted to be a part um, of this one, and I'm glad you enjoy it. So. I did genuinely um, enjoy the show. I thought it was, I thought it was cute. I thought it was fun. It made me laugh. It took me a long while to start getting into it, though. Um, like, I, I didn't start really kind of getting into it until the uh, middle chunk of the show. And honestly, some of my favorite parts of it were the last arc with Punchable David Matranga. Um, but my other favorite part, honestly, was the Christmas episode, the New Year's episode, and the episode where the little sister was born. <laughs> <laughs> and the zoo episode. I kind of liked when they went to the zoo and the one girl was like, fuck yeah, animal trivia! Because that's me as shit. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I and while I do like the fact that Takeo is the main character because he's a big boy <laughs> and stuff, he is still deemed attractive by people and not just Rinko. Like, he's not big and flabby, he's big and muscular. So he's not 100% the whole yep. nine yards of the atypical lead because he's still considered buff and... The, he is kind of, I guess you would say, the 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 Eekman of the boys. Like all of the boys want men want to be him. Cause a lot of the boys in the class don't want to be soon as Suna. They don't. They they don't look up to him like they do Takeo. Yeah. Um I find that this show does play it a little chintzy and safe in terms of its plot. Um, it doesn't really go super, super groundbreaking, like Gigi said. Like, people are like, oh, well, Rinko is a thirsty little hoe. It's like, Rinko is a normal girl who wants to do normal girlfriend things. Like, you want to talk about getting semi-risky with sex, Sudere Children. The beginning of episode four of Sudere Children, where one of the girls literally lays out back on the bed and says... God, if you're so horny, just shut up and do me. And they're in high school and they get interrupted by their mom bringing snacks and asking if she took the pill and if she brought a condom, but that's another show for another day. Um, I, I, I do think that this is a good show. I think this is a fun show. It's really cute. The opening's gonna get stuck in your head and it has a really hmm. good dub attached okay. to it. Um, so it is worth the pickup or the watch on High Dive. Alright, Gigi. Um, <laughs> so while I do really love my shoujo trash, I also have a little tiny girl part inside of me that loves the shoujo romance. And I think I said this on Twitter that like this show is giving me cavities and like all you want sometimes is to get like that R-rated adult thing out of the way and just, you know, spend 13 episodes waiting for somebody to like hold your hand or kiss you or whatever it is. Um, however, my love story, the show as a whole, not my favorite shoujo romance. I think there are much better shows, even better romantic comedies that you can watch if you really, if you really want to dip your toes into the genre and you haven't before um Kimini Tadoke stands out as a really good shoujo romance my favorite um anime rom-com is Lovely Complex which doesn't have a dub which is very sad and we'll never be able to talk about it on this show um Nana is my favorite anime of all time but that's Jose shoujo trash so we won't talk about that um however I have to give it credit because as much of the as many of the shortcomings that I found with this show I found that the dub did do a lot to cover them up like I like I said I stopped watching this halfway through when it was airing because I just got bored I was like okay it literally took them 13 episodes to hold hands like this isn't Kimi Nitadoke I can't stand this like something needs to happen um and nothing was happening so when I was marathoning this for the the show I was really happy to see that towards the later like quarter of the show it really started to ramp up and then it ended so I was kind of disappointed by that but the dub did help me get through those patches that I thought were kind of boring and kind of slow because it is super sweet 
it is really cute um but i can only take my cute in small doses <laughs> like i think i had to stop every seven episodes or something and take a break and do something else because i was getting really depressed <laughs> by society today and just comparing it to watching this show where everything is cute and happy and wonderful and i was like oh my god i need to like not watch this right now um but all that aside <coughs> I think that the dub was really good despite the few problems I had with some of the female characters. Um, and the boys like totally took this and ran with it. Tia Ballard was amazing in it. Um, Ichinose is still best boy. And uh, if you're going to watch my love story, I would say watch like watch the first couple episodes subtitled just so you get a feel for it and a feel for what Japanese Takeo sounds like then switch to the dub and then if you can handle Andrew Love screaming for like five episodes then you're good to go for the rest of it but you it wouldn't hurt you to switch to the subtitles I'd give this dub like a seven and a half out of ten so seven and a half out of ten would watch again some parts on mute okay. Okay, some parts on mute. Nice. Um, overall, I'd have to say, in terms of the show itself, it's like me like Megan and Jet. They were kind of saying it's not groundbreaking, but it does break some molds that you typically see with romantic comedies and shoujo anime, which is really nice and is really refreshing. Especially with the kind of character that Takeo is as a lead that you don't normally expect. And then some of the other fun little things, too. But in terms of the dub itself, it's as cute as I expected it to be. Uh, this coming from someone who did watch the entirety of your show in simulcast a couple years ago. Um, Andrew Love, he really is able to carry this show almost entirely on his own. However, he is backed by other voice actors who give amazing performances as well. And it's also a lot of fun to see a couple of Dallas regulars, uh, Tia and Austin, coming in, just hanging out for a Sentai show. And I kind of hope we get to see even more of that uh, in the future, because, I mean... Andrew Love for Austin! Oh, God. When we, um... When the eventual, the eventual um, Haikyuu episode no, happens... No, Love is awesome. Oh, Sentai... The one with the man bun who looks like Jesus. No, fuck you. David Wald is awesome. Back the fuck which up. Which actually is really funny because there's an the one with the man bun. Ian Sinclair. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, my only my only my one only desire for IQ is Greg Aries being yes. No, I refuse. Yes. Even I though approve. I see it working, I refuse. Um, but anyway. Yes! Yes! Thank you! <laughs> that's, the one that's the one main request I have. Because that motherfucker has been in Houston. That motherfucker has been in Houston. I'm not going to talk about that because that's a separate thing entirely. But, um, yes. Cliff is Tanaka. Anyway, I'm just saying, I bring up Haikyuu because Sentai, you better, be pulling, you better have been pulling some people from Dallas to help you out with that because mother of God. Um, but anyway, I would say give my love story a shot. Uh, give the series and the double watch if you really like love, little love, cute romantic comedies, uh, things like that. However, <laughs> fair warning, it can get really, really, really diabetes cute. Very, very diabetes cute. <laughs> Call Liberty. Good lord. 
How is it entitled to get with diabetes, cute? Like, honestly, like, yes. Because that, that's the best way to describe this show. That's the best way to describe this show, honestly. It's diabetes cute. There's no other way to describe it. <laughs> anyway. God fucking damn it. Also, I think we're going to wrap Tia Ballard for saying the word Sachier Torta into Yes. No, I'm good. Beautiful. Because that comes back in this one. Um, So I think we're going to wrap this episode up unless anyone has any other lingering thoughts to give nope no i need to go ponder about how pathetic my life is because i don't have a boyfriend like takeo <laughs> all right i don't need a boyfriend like takeo i have a body pillow <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. i have not i have three <laughs> oh awesome. yeah this one has victor and yuri Kong no Kong. no no what's funny Jet, do you remember the gangsta episode where we talked about the Kaneki body pillow? Because you were there for that. Oh man, I was. Yeah, you were. Yeah, that whole conversation. Let me guess. I love, I love how Jet like just like I don't know this girl. I don't know what to say. Hardy, let me guess. It's one of those gay volleyball boys. I'm like, no. And stuff's like, no, no, no. It's Kaneki. I was like, shut up. And he goes, let me guess. Black hair on one side, white hair on the other. I still have it. <laughs> Now we have another one that- Okay, so my friend Kenny is the one who bought that for me. Fun fact, she bought me another one. Oh no. Which is Victor on one side and Victor and Yuri on the other. Yeah. And I was very, very tempted to bring that to AFES. I'm glad you didn't. Um, I brought my oh, Victor no, pillow to AFES. I wasn't embarrassing us that badly. You, but it's probably smaller than an actual five. body pillow. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Anyway. If you- God damn it. If you are interested <laughs> in catching the English dub of My Love Story, it is licensed by Sentai Filmworks, and there is a physical home video release for it, uh, a Blu-ray version as well as a DVD version. They also have a very special limited edition one. I don't know if that one's out of print, though. At it's the not, time don't of, buy it, it's of, a piece um, of shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. It's not worth but it. But if you want to watch the show itself, the Japanese version is on Crunchyroll, and the Japanese version, as well as the dub, is on High Dive, which is basically the, how I named it basically, is the revamped version of the anime network, because let's face it, it honestly is, where I'm pretty sure they have either a 14 or 30 day free trial, I need to look into that shit a bit more, because shameless plugs, um, where you can basically try out their streaming services uh, for, uh, for free for a limited amount of time, and then after that, um, they will charge you money. I don't- the, the streaming site itself is- last I knew it was in beta. I don't know if it's been updated since then. And similar to what we usually say when it comes to Funimation now, if you don't want to keep the service, the high die service, after the free trial, cancel the subscription itself because it will start taking money out of your, uh, bank account. Okay? Uh, and then let's see. What else do we want to chill uh, out and talk about today? Oh, uh, you didn't mention the price. I'm pretty sure it's still four dollars. It's still. For, I wasn't sure. I thought that was. I wasn't sure if that was still a thing or if it was just that introductory kind of thing. Or so it's still a four dollars. Do you think right now? Yeah, I think it's still four dollars. Okay. So yeah, it's not that in, not that expensive at all. Um, 
and you get to have access to the Sentai and old ADV catalogs, which is really nice. And they keep adding stuff more and more all the time. It also has Wizard of the Galactic Heroes, which you yes. need to see. Everyone does. That that uh, magnum opus of a show. Uh, <laughs> but um, the only thing is, though, please be aware that if you are looking for a newer Sentai release that says it's going to be on high dive. They tend to release it at one episode a week. That is the English dub itself. Yes. Not the Japanese, the English dub itself. So series, yes. newer series like uh, Monster Musume, Food Wars I know is a new one, Ushio and Tora is a newer one. Um, those Chifaru is going to start by the time this video is up. Yep. Um, any of the new English dubs that Sentai is releasing in the near future or have, been, or have released in the past couple months or so since High Dive did start up, they are only going to be releasing episodes one week at a time. Kind of similar to a broadcast style. Uh, it's just a little bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> because there's the home video that's released and you're still, like, maybe a month or so later, the high dive is slowly catching up. It's a pain in the ass, but honestly, um, it does give you a chance to test the waters with more Sentai dubs in case you don't want to buy them quite yet. You just want to watch them and see what they're like. Um, anyway... <laughs> Why are you laughing? Or dare I ask? Hardy was, Hardy was upset in the chat. And Roots put the video. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly the one it is. I don't even have so to click it. As you're talking. <laughs> as you're talking, I, I'm playing it through my headphones and like. <laughs> I would play it right now, but I know my mic will pick it up. Anyway, um, if you are interested in anything that any of us do, uh, you can follow Megan on Twitter at QueenEra2, you can follow Jet on Twitter at DivineNega, and you can also find his reviews on AnimationAffinity.com, as well as the fandom post. You can find Gigi at AnimePalooza, or her YouTube channel, AnimePalooza, where she does a bunch of unboxings and talks shoujo trash all day long. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I like anime review. Review being spelled R-E-V-U-E, like a musical review. If you are interested in anything else that Duck Talk does, because holy mother of God, now that we're really trying to kick the summer summer shows into high gear, dear sweet lord, um, you can follow us. You can subscribe to us, of course, here on YouTube. Which, by the way, I looked earlier. We're 15 away from the 1K. Get it? Which is awesome. So let's make this 1K in 2017 thing a reality. Please, thank you, bye. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at DubTalkPodcast, Instagram at DubTalkPodcast, and Tumblr at DubTalkPodcast for any craziness and randomness that we come up with on a weekly basis. Um, but otherwise than that, I think we are done for the night. This, my audio is at like 2 hours and 20 minutes, so this episode itself will probably be 2, two hours 15 minutes. That's not too shabby, all things considered. Any final, final thoughts before we finish this episode today? Hi boys, my name is Gigi. I like to Netflix and chill. However, if you grab me the star at the oh. top of the Christmas tree, I'll probably marry you. So if you that sounds like a good time, get a hold of me. DM me on Twitter. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to get my Ian's damn Sinclair. What about Ian Sinclair? Ian Sinclair? No, you, you want know, Ian Sinclair to get you that star off that tree. I mean, if he got me that star off that tree, 
I'm just saying, everybody would have a shiny Merry Christmas. Everyone. Look, I'm trying to get my shoujo romance, even if I have to fucking pimp myself in a dub talk episode. God damn it. I mean, everybody wants a little bit of romance, but we have Megan hiding in the corner here. Dear sweet lord. Spinning in a circle like a seal. Like that video. I can't, actually. I My back hurts too much. I'm very tired. Alright. All right. Also, well, let's also end this be, shit show. Um, also be what? I was gonna say, because of the time of this recording, we are very, very happy that everybody at Sentai and High Dive are okay. Yes. Because um, when we recorded yeah. this episode, um, Tropical Storm Harvey has been going through Houston over the weekend. So if you, if by the time this video goes up, there are still relief efforts, uh, please try to donate yes. and just be kind and chill to everybody and help out Houston um, because they nobody deserves to go through this. Mm -hmm. And those of us who went to Texas... Um, their politics, their their politicians, maybe shitty, but their state is very nice. Yes, I love Texas. And has very very good food. I want to go yes. to Houston next time. Yeah, we need to go to Houston next time. Go visit Sentai. Go crash Sentai. Go crash Sentai, Carolyn. Yeah, can you Carolyn? Carolyn. <laughs> Carolyn, we love you. Um, also, Andrew's trying to make Hardy feel better, and he posted the shittiest bootleg Vegeta picture. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Also oh a picture God. of the book Chasing Space, <laughs> where the guy on the cover is literally a picture of him uh, getting licked by his doggo. Anyways, on that Let's note, to time to go Time to go to bed. Uh, thank you guys for sticking around with us. Have a good night, and until next time, otaku on, my friends. Love your faces. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Here we go. Hello, Mademoiselle. Welcome to the Dub Talk Bakery. Today we have a wonderful spread of cakes like red velvet and chachote for you today. But as always, there's a, I guess, a dietary or allergy disclaimer I have to do. So, the Dub Talk podcast may contain strong language that may be not be fucking. <laughs> I can't do it for. Welcome back to Megan Does Offensive Accents. Oh, my new better keep this as like a thing at the end where like, I'm free. <laughs> and now my parents are making fun of me from the other side of the wall because I have to record in the where the wall is the thinnest. Because I'm awful. <laughs> i try that again. Hello, mademoiselle. Welcome to the Dub Talk Bakery, where we have lots of cakes like red velvet and sachete and jamon chocolate. But first, we have the dietary restrictions. Something tells me that the disclaimer is going on to something diabetically cute or something. I'm going for French direction in one accent. Um, just, just. Put this on the end because it's probably going to be funnier than anything that's gonna happen. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Dip Tuck Pick LE. Well, tonight we present to you something sugary sweet. 
But first, as this may be diabetically cute, we must give you ha 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 a warning. Warning! The Dub Talk podcast may contain language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> I can't do this. I want to just just wing it, Megan. Just wing it. I'm going to hell. Three, two. <laughs> okay. Pull it together. Pull it together, Zarek. Warning! The top I'm not even doing an accent. Ha ha! Oh ho ho! Warning! The Don't Talk Podcast Bakery may contain products that are sugary, sweet, and diabetic, and may be containing spoilers. Then I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> just, just kill me now. <laughs> just murder me where I sleep. Oh ho ho! I feel tired of it. Now I know how Katie feels when she had to do Professor Sycamore for an entire stage show, and how her sister did not kill her. Like, I will send you the footage of my friend Kate. I have to get that off of my friend Laurie if she still has it, her sister being Professor Sycamore. I should have asked Katie to fucking do this. That's as best as you're getting out of me, and I'm sorry, I'm on. I'm sorry. I was going to make a Ted Cruz joke, but that was... Oh, unless you're that weak, Ted Cruz, we see what's porn you're locking. Andrew, you too! <laughs>